There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Well, here we are, box set for the last time this season. Our season review show. Go back over some of our predictions before a ball was kicked. Uh, and also our awards, the fifths. So we do things a little bit differently here. We pick our team of the year at the conclusion of the season. We take into account, obviously, some rep football and origin and the final series. Um, and we also pick a bench as well as well, a one to we, we take into account the season. We do. But we pick a bench not as well. Not the regular season. Not just a 1-13 to 13 or one position like the Dally M's and it's not going to the highest voted player throughout the year. It's our own personal judgment. No agendas here and the bench is open slather. You don't have to pick set positions. Uh, for example, if there's four awesome fullbacks and you think those three three of those guys don't fit into that one spot, they're that good, they belong on your bench, we pick them on our bench. That's how it works. Yeah. Uh, as far as the season reviews go, as always, we run from last place through to first. When we get to the top eight, though, we do it in order of where they were eliminated during the finals. I think every team this year basically was eliminated or finished as per program besides Canberra, uh, South and the Storm. So there's not really a big change in that side of things. Players used, our over-under predictions on those things, the best and worst of those teams, thoughts moving forward, etc., um, so yeah let's bang it out here we go we'll kick things off for the reviews I think Boxhead and we'll get through these first before we do our awards show the first team last place this year unfortunately your Gold Coast Titans in attack second last defensively the worst team of the competition the over under market this year was nine and a half unfortunately we fell into the trap we didn't buy the bookies we thought they wouldn't make the eight uh, but we had them over nine and a half and with some of the players you would have expected a bit better but we didn't get that one they only won four games Previous season, finished 14th. Players used this year, 29. And a new one I had to look at this year. Uh, one thing I think is very important, obviously your away record, not just your home record. The worst away record in the competition, two from 10. Well, they had to be the worst away record. <laughs> exactly. Four games. But I looked at it out of the top eight, only one team that's not in the top eight, I think, was not in the top eight teams as far as the top uh, their away record was concerned. Those yeah. wins are obviously just as important, or yeah. more important well, than your home wins. But You want to be at least 500 on the road. This one... You know, it was already a poor year previously. They bought poorly. There was already pressure on Brennan. They got a couple of guys again, as we spoke about, that have gone there for the wrong reasons. A paycheck. Shannon Boyd didn't pan out. Tyron Peachy. They brought Tyron Roberts back for Ash Taylor. He got re-signed. A lot of guys got re-signed, and there was a lot of hype around the place to deliver, and it, it just fell flat, and it got worse. They fired the coach and said things would get better. Um, the questions, again, have to lie in what Mal Meninga does with his role in the club and he did this review and apparently didn't say that the coach should have been fired and yeah things just continue to get worse and worse and now at the back end of the season I think the saddest part of this all the guy they paid a million dollars to 12 months ago who recommended that coach we don't know where his future lies in Ash Taylor 
Jai Arrow is potentially going to be moving to Sydney and AJ Brimson looks like he may leave the club as well. The club's at rock bottom. Simple as that. Couldn't have been a worse year. There was not one positive to take out of the season at all. You know that, well, the only positive was the season ended. Now, That's I'll... it. That's my review of the Gold Coast. <laughs> I, I don't have anything else to say. I've, I've ran it all year about them. They need to get their shit together in the off-season. Yeah. They need to train hard, get back to the sim- simple fundamentals that win footy games because they were disgusting across the board and they're an embarrassment. I'm not going to disagree with basically anything that you said. They've moved on their whole coaching staff. We know Justin Holbrook's coming in. He just had that successful year at St. Helens. His assistant, his senior assistant now, Jim Dimmick. Uh, a lot of people thought he should have got the Sharks job. He'll get a chance to, again, take a further role there. And Jim Lenahan, who played for the Gold Coast back in the day, been at Burley the last couple of years, has won two Queensland Cups. So it's a complete facelift in that regard. And, but they've got some hard decisions to make. We know that money-wise, they're well, Who's coming in? Who have they got coming in? Well, the only real ins, they've got Tanner Boyd, who we saw right at the back end, and they took Toby Sexton, who's another Queensland Australian schoolboy so no junior. One. So you've got two kids that are only 18, 19 years old. Like we said, we've got doubts over what Brimson and Arrow are going to be doing. But these bad deals are the real thing I think Holbrook's trying to deal with well, first. I'd, I'd wait on Brimson and Arrow until they get a look at Holbrook. Because if they, get, if they get Holbrook and then like what they see, that club could turn around and they could want to stay. But if those two leave, like Holbrook, Holbrook could be gone in two years because he's, he's got nothing to work with. Mm. Well, Gaines, as of this moment, are nobody. They've signed nobody. We know Gordon. Gordon's moved on. Will Matthews... Uh, he's moved on from the club. Jesse Arthurs is going to the Broncos. Max King left mid-year, and Jackson Paulo, one of their juniors, left at the start of the year to go to South Sydney. But the reason they can't sign anyone is because, like, Callum Watkins, which was a Mal Meninga and club-driven move, I think that's a mistake at his age and the way he's playing. He's got two more years to run. Jared Wallace has still got three years to run. Taylor's got two more years to run. Like, all these deals that he's coming into that he has to deal with. Mitch Rain still has another couple of years. Peachy, we don't know whether he's going to be there or not, but if not, he's on a stack. Lalani Latu still has another year to go on his contract. Ryan James in the last year of his deal, off an ACL injury, is potentially someone under the scope. And Bryce Cartwright, again, 2021. Shannon Boyd until 2022. He's got a lot of things on his plate there as far as salary cap management. Oh, he's... But we know contracts mean fuck all. I know so that, but you look, need people He, he at needs least to take... get in there and he needs to get a hard line through the club. <coughs> and if he does that, he'll either get improvement or he'll scare players away. Simple as that. If I can talk about when they're on and when they're off and who they've got and who they don't have. I get that. That shows every off-season there's a shitload of movement in the player market. Yeah, players need it's, to be wanted is the whole point. If not, they're well, going to have to chip it, in. Yeah. And they don't want to be destroyed by the salary cap. They already have a problem they're with the They're already destroyed cap. by the salary cap. So how, how much worse can it get? So move it on. Anyway. We'll see what happens there. I've got faith in Holbrook. I think he's a good coach. Yeah, well, hopefully they give him the time and hopefully he can make some moves, but... Uh, the positives, like you said, there obviously wasn't a whole lot, but those few young blokes that we've spoken about before, I thought Fatu Acre had another outstanding year for a guy that's only 19, 20 years old. Brimson didn't get really played in his correct position, but when he was on the field, he showed some glimpses again. Jairo, before the injury, absolutely outstanding. Brian Kelly, Sammy at the back end of the year. Like there's, there's some flashes there, but overall, there needs to be a lot of work done with I this. four games. And we'll see cool. what happens moving forward, but... Uh, huge year coming up for 2020 and we'll leave it there as far as the Gold Coast Titans are concerned but second last St. George Illawarra Dragons 15th in attack they were 12th defensively they were 15th the over under it was 12 and a half we both had the over we had them right at the bottom end of the 8 <clears throat> obviously that did not happen they only won 8 games 
the 2018, the year previous, they obviously started red hot and then finished seventh. They used 30 players this year. Their away record was four and eight. Uh, this just got off on the wrong foot before we even got into the new year. They re-signed Gareth Widop on a huge deal, four years, and before it even rolled over into that new deal, he wanted out of the club. Off-season surgeries on the back end of last year. They had Sims, Vaughan, Widop again off that shoulder, a bunch of guys there. The Jack DeBellin incident, which definitely derailed the club and caused a lot more trouble internally. They started with two losses, and all the pressure was on things were going bad, and Widop off, back, off the back of that injury looked like he was done again. Uh, they win four in a row, and things temporarily go quiet, but then heading into that origin period, the drain hits them again. They're busted. There was two or three times they thought DeBellin was coming back. Widop disappeared with his shoulder. Norman breaks his jaw. Corbin Sims, who they bought to help out the bench, broke his arm and missed a significant amount of time. They couldn't settle on a spine. They changed their outside backs a million times. Like we saw Lomax, Ravalawa, Pearson, Dufty, Aitken, Saab, Lafoy, Sailor, like their edge defense and just their defense in general, which was a real strong point of their game, was awful. And there's severe pressure on Mary McGregor, but... Uh, he's been backed into this season. They've done a review. They've backed him up. You've got Flanagan coming in. They've got no real room to move in the salary cap, so not a whole lot is going to change, and they've still got the cloud lingering of the Jack DeBellin situation, whether he'll be playing for the club or not. Yeah, they were expected to be a top eight team, and they've, if if not for the Gold Coast, they probably go close to finishing last. So they were just as poor. Uh, there's not not a lot to say. Look, the keep the Widop injury didn't help. Uh, Corey Norman really didn't click. I think their forward pack didn't really fire a shot. So it is what it is for St George. I mean, the, there's pressure, a lot more pressure on St George to perform than what there is the Gold Coast because that fan base is rabid, and we get multiple inboxes about yeah well, from Dragons right fans. There, <clears throat> they're under huge pressure, and again, their top end players didn't perform. The guys they're paying big money. Didn't perform. Mm. Well, Ben Hunt, in most particularly on second year of that huge deal, he was not existent after Origin. Uh, Frizzell, why busted again? Had a pretty good year, but was up and down. The real standout was Cam McInnes. He cleaned up absolutely everything on their awards night. But Gareth put up like injuries in his mind already been elsewhere. A million dollar player. Norman, like you said, didn't quite fit in. There was no real continuity in the halves or spines. But the biggest thing was their defense. The last couple of years under Mary and this kind of group of rep forwards they have. The big, you know, focal point of what they've done is their defense. They've been outstanding in that area. Jack obviously helps massively in that regard, but this year it was just non-existent. Their contact, their line speed, their edge decisions were as bad as anybody's. Um, and then I think just internally, like some of the stuff that was coming out about players not being happy, some of the stuff that had happened, a couple of young guys that were not happy about being dropped or coming up and down. Seems like there may be a few more moves still in this offseason. I think Dufty's been told he can go, even though he's still on contract. Lomax has been rumoured to have been linked to the Raiders, the Tigers, a couple of teams already, even though they're not really keen on letting him go. Um, it's an interesting situation, that's for sure. But I think the big thing here for them, like we said, lack of change because of a salary cap situation where they've spent top heavy. They need more out of those guys. If Jack gets cleared and ends up coming back, that's massive for them. Um, and then I think Flanagan now being there with Mary, as we said before, you're getting a premiership winning coach who's had a real good history He's a hard line. He doesn't pull any punches. There'll probably be some changes, I guess, in their off-season or maybe the way they play. And there's pressure on McGregor and the club in general. Well, you just, I just hand Flanagan the defence. So there you go. You do the defence. And hopefully you can just get that hard edge through them because they, they're the same. You, if you don't defend well, you're going to end up in that bottom four and that's what the Dragons have done. Mm. Well, some of their better players, like we said, <clears throat> McInnes, 
he had a great year. Uh, Vaughn and Frizzell at times were okay. Laurie showed some of his wares, but like at the backs, the backs there was way too many changes. Uh, they've got to make a decision on fullback. They've lost, you know, an absolute weapon player in Gareth Woodock. But I guess if his heart's not in, his heart's not in. And Corey Norman, they've almost invested the exact same amount of money. Um, we saw him move on from Parramatta and Parramatta, Parramatta significantly improve. His time at Brisbane was patchy. He's only really had that one good, really outstanding year where he probably would run the Dally M at Parra if he would have went on with things, but he's never quite got back to that. They've got a couple of kids that we saw uh, during the year. Like I said, Lomax, what happens there? A Tristan Saylor, Ravalawa was inconsistent. Jason Saab come from SG Ball. So they've got some kids there, I guess, and their 18s won. So they've got the pair of twins who played for Australian schoolboys, another half coming. Well, but Yeah, Illawarra's had one. Yeah, in the immediate future, uh, as far as what's feeding through for them, they're a bit hamstrung. There's been some murmurs this week that Trent Merrin has been linked to the club, but money's an issue, and Isaac Luke. So they've well, lost, they don't need a nine. Well, they lost Reese Robson, so they need a backup, and I think Luke is basically you all... You can go and spend... like, But that's poor cap management. You don't go and spend... Decent dough on an international player. Like how how much are they going to spend on him? They're getting a guy who has no options left. That's what they're doing. Right. So well, if they're getting him at a decent, a decent rate, Manly and the Tigers good. had a bite, and Luke apparently stuffed them around and wanted to delay things. Both of them pulled their offers off the table. This okay. is the last offer he's got. Right. They've already got McInnes, so he's clearly not going to be playing a lot. But if he wants to keep playing football, this may be his only option. The Merrin one, more what you're saying, is all about coin. I think his management want a little bit more than what the Dragons have got or are willing to spend. So he's going to have to take a significant haircut compared to what he used to get, that's for sure. Uh, big off-season, like we said, uh, the result of what happens with Jack, if that results in a negative, if they can go spend that money, can they make some moves in the market? Do they start planning to move forward? If they get him back in, that's another cog. They definitely need to work on their spine and their edges, and anyone who's unsettled, it all needs to be sorted out. Um, yeah, not exactly a great year on the Dragon side of things. Cowboys. 14th, uh, their attack was 14th, their defence was 12th, the over-under for them 11.5, we both had over, I think you had them in the bottom of the 8, as did I, and again, this one didn't pan out, they won 9 games, it didn't get off to a great start before a ball was even kicked again, oh, sorry, 2018 they finished 13th, so not a great improvement, they used 30 players, 4-8 and eight away record, the off-season, Ben Barber didn't even play a game for the club, fine, so you've lost a fullback. they were going to have him come in Which to play with with Morgan, Felt was injured for the first half of the season, one of their key outside backs. Nana McDonald, who they bought to form a tandem with him to have good yardage wingers, started strong, got injured, then got fired by the club. Talmalolo missing that six weeks early, and McLean getting injured. Like everything that piled up against them very early in the year, it just. I think the Cowboys are the top eight team who missed out because of extenuating circumstances. That's what I would say. I'd agree with you somewhat. Uh, I still think they need to have some. Turnover and players. There's a couple of guys that are stale. Paul Green's got to change some things with their attack. I get that, but look at Brisbane, Brisbane limped in. You, you can't tell me if all those guys play for the Cowboys and they're fit, that Brisbane, uh, the, the Cowboys probably don't sneak in ahead of them. They probably would have pulled some games together. I'm not disagreeing with you, but they've got definitely some moves that need to be made here, and we're starting to see them. They've brought Reese Robson up there. They blooded Ruben Cotter, who's a nine. There's pressure on Granville. He hasn't been good for the last few years. There's pressure on Morgan next year as well. He come off a full off season where he's healthy. This year, his form wasn't that great. I know there were struggles around him, but he struggled with the pressure of running the side, which he didn't in that little run they went on a couple of years ago. Is he a six? Is he a seven? Clifford was inconsistent. Uh, the back end of the season between those yeah, two. It's not fair on Clifford. Morgan had a poor year. Exactly. And Morgan needs to take some responsibility and step up. One positive late in the year was getting drink water off Melbourne. I thought he had some good flashes and some good games, but the funny thing for them is they brought him in 
and now we're still hearing the rumours about Valentine Holmes being very likely to come back. So if he comes back, I don't know what you do with Drinkwater. So if he becomes a halves option, I'm not too sure if that's the case. Matt Scott obviously now moved on. Scotty Bolton, Jordan Carhu for anyone again who said, oh, that was a big thing for Brisbane. They've already moved him on for 12 months. So they're doing a bit of a revamp here, which they've definitely needed to do. They've got some good kids, and that's their building block. Murray Tuolagi played some of the last couple of games. Peter Holler, a young front row, caught of the nine. Tommy Gilbert got the Queensland Cup Player of the Year for the Blackhawks. He's a young front row they've got, and they certainly need that fresh blood. So hopefully for them, Morgan Clifford form a better combination this offseason. Drinkwater or Holmes, if they do end up somehow getting him in, more secure in that position as well. And then Robson at nine and Cotter put some pressure on Granville. If you can get your spine going, and McLean definitely needs to step up as well, Tamalolo stays on the field. You get a bit of that going with some of these young forwards. Well, it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens on their side of things. I think the other guy who's under a bit of pressure, and health hasn't helped him, is... Oh, sorry, McLean and Jordan... He- uh, Cohen Hess. Cohen Hess this year was almost non-existent. Something's definitely got to give for him. He was poor. Very, very poor. Origin-level player. Uh, and was he was relegated to the bench. Mm. And he had Ethan Lowe move, into, move to Sydney, so there was an opportunity there. He didn't take it. Josh McGuire brought over. I didn't think he had as flashy a year. Like, he tries hard, but again, not quite the impact on that forward pack. But uh, if they can start the year, like we said, with Felton, all those guys back on deck, make some changes to their attack and hopefully get a couple of these young guys in. One who I liked early in the year was Mitch Dunn. Mitch Dunn showed some good signs before he hurt his shoulder. But uh, yeah, they definitely need to stay healthy and make some changes in the way they attack and the way they play their football. Do you think Holmes ends up there? I've got no idea. I, I, like, really, I definitely really don't, don't think he's going to be playing in the NFL. I don't think he stays, but like, mm. I, I, think, I, I don't know, mate. I, I think most signs point to him probably ending up back there. But uh, the other thing for them, middle of the year after that kind of tough run and they got some players back, they just had some close losses, speaking of what you said, that could have got them in the eight. They lost to Canberra by after leading. They lost to South by leading 18-6 at one point and got blown at 30-18. They lost in Golden Point to the Tigers, or it was a field goal, I can't remember. They lost to Manly. After lead, like there was just a handful of games consecutively that he kept looking at them going, well, that's one they've missed out on. That's another one they've missed out on. You chuck a couple of those back in, plus a game against Brisbane that they lost on full time, I think, when Turpin scored or something. Like, you, you're probably right. This team, given all that went against them, was very, very close flipping one or two of those results to making the eight. Do they make a run in the eight? I definitely don't think so. But it was, well, a, it was a final a few years ago from yeah, eighth. It was a hard year for the Cowboys, let's put it that way. It was. There's going to be a lot of change, and uh, we'll see how they move forward into the future. 13th this year, the New Zealand Warriors attack 10th, defensively 14th. The over under for them was 10.5. We both went the under, and that was correct. They had nine wins the year prior. was the first time they made the eight, finishing eighth in a long time. They also used 30 players. Their away record, four and eight. Uh, they lost Johnson before the season even kicked off. I agreed with the situation, given the fact he was basically saying... He wasn't going to wait to see how he played out and wasn't going to negotiate. He wanted the million dollars. Was it a mistake? Well, they, they definitely lost a decent player, but I think the mistake was not letting him go. I think the mistake's the fact they replaced him with Cody Nicarima mid-season for about $600,000. I, I would have just went forward with Green, Tavita, see what I had. They've got another young kid, Paul Turner, who's a junior Kiwi, 19, 20 years old, and then waited to see what the market's done. But I think they've made a mistake in getting Nicarima, and by the end of the season, uh, he was on the bench. So I think in two ways We've that had, hurt. had this discussion. Luke, having a great season the year before, comes off surgery this year, doesn't come back looking anywhere near as good. Their forward pack lacked a leader, and a big part of that, I think, Simon Mannering, retiring the year before. That's a massive piece gone. 
Tohu Harris injured basically all year, not sided. It was a real slump all around, and you got guys like Carter who moved on. Fushitura after a huge year was injured for the majority of the season. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great year for the New Zealand Warriors side of things either. The only real positives, as always, is Roger Tuivasa-Shek, outstanding every single week. Ken Marmolo turned into close to the best winger in the comp, if not is the best winger in the comp. The post-contact metres, the amount of yardage he gets during a game, the finishing ability of him right now, he was absolutely outstanding. Um, I think another problem they've got going forward, who's the hooker? Like Luke was at the back end, but they've got Lawton. you got Roach, who can't stay on the field. Jazz Tavunga was a nine. They've turned into like an impact player slash, you know, lock, and they play him around the middle. There was talk they might take McCulloch's full contract on, which I think would be a mistake for their salary cap and their situation, but they've definitely got a hole there. Uh, the half situation, like we said, do they push forward now with Tavita Harris and Green? Does Tavita Harris get shelved because of how much they're paying Green and Nikarima? It's going to be Green's last year and then the Ford pack. Like, Adam Blair has got a couple of years to run, and that deal now definitely looks like a mistake. Um, Parsi, Armia, these couple of guys are all serviceable but there's one other problem we spoke about before previously as well they're very good when they've got the football but defensively I've never seen a team miss so many consecutive tackles or just start like a roll-on effect or really really poor with you know line speed contact and just their intent they're very happy when they've got the football they're not very happy when they're defending mm. no they're not they same old same old wasn't it the Warriors you can't trust and they're inconsistent and you know, they made those decisions to let Johnson go. They went and panic bought Nicarima. Ended up being same old story. So Kearney, the pressure's now on him. I think he's got to probably make the eight, I would say, or at least go close and be competitive to keep his job. Mm. A few highlights for them, I guess. I thought Pat Herbert was a good addition late in the year, someone who will probably end up being part of the furniture going forward. Uh, Hayes Perham's a kid I heard a lot about. He got a handful of games, but they played him as a six. They played him off the bench. He played fullback coming through. He's only 19 years old. I don't know what happens there with him next year. Do they persist with him as a six or what happens otherwise? But they need more from their forwards. Uh, with you know, a Afoa, every so often we see these stints. We've seen Lasona. We've seen glimpses uh, from Isaiah Papali'i, who's only still 20 years old and passing, obviously very, very good with the football. But these guys need to be harder, more consistent in particular on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, they need everyone on deck. It, it showed this year, especially without Atohu, with Green in and out, with Johnson not being there. Like when, when one or two of those guys are missing, they just can't compete. No, so, yeah. They don't, don't, they don't have don't, enough depth and they don't have enough quality to compete. I don't know what they do as far as the market's concerned or what they've got coming in at the moment. Same deal. They've signed nobody. They've got a couple of good kids coming through, but that's not going to fix their problem for now. Sure isn't. Um, and yeah, Green, Nicarima. The only real consistent thing, like we said, every single week you can guarantee is their back three. Mm. If Fussy Tua is playing along with Marmolo and Roger Tuivasa Sheck, you know very well they're going to get good set starts and Sheck's going to be busy all game, but there's holes everywhere else. Spine, hooker, bench, inconsistent in their forward pack. They've got some, definitely got some areas to address, that is for sure. Yeah. Moving on from them, we've got the Bulldogs. Finished 12th place after a slow start. Great result for them. Uh, 16th in attack, but 9th defensively. The over-under for them was 8.5. We both went the under after their streak at the back end of the year. I'm sure plenty of people would have lost some money on that. They won 10 games the year prior. They finished in the same spot. 12, 28 players. They're away record, 5-7. and seven. Uh, After a rough start, plenty of murmurs. They had the NARPA think situation to deal with in the off-season. Talk about the coach. They were sounding out other coaches. With a year to run, was he going to get re-signed? The players were apparently... 
a bit weird on that whole situation. They had problems, still had struggles within the club, with the board. Uh, there was a lot of shuffling going on, as there has been the last couple of years, unfortunately, at the Bulldog side of things. But once things kind of steadied uh, for them and they rolled a couple of the kids through and they got Dallin in mid-year, things just seemed to change. Mm. And obviously, once they're eliminated from the finals, but um, Dallin brought a whole new element to their side. The set starts they got out of him, Hopper White and Remus getting on the back of it. They shuffled through all their halves. I think when Foran was there, he was a good steadying influence, regardless of who he partnered. He formed a nice combination with Harawir and Ira from Penrith, who had some moments. Cogger showed some stuff. Wakeham, who's only 19, had a couple of good games. Lock and Lewis, very awkward, but he seemed to work well with Foran. Uh, and then Marshall King, he assumed that nine right at the back end of the year. Very tough bloke, plays well above his weight and size. I guess for them, similar uh, moving into next year as they have this year. Those guys, young, getting some games under their belt, building some consistency, been through a bit of a hard time. They've kind of built a thick skin. Well, yeah. the thing is, they, they, the roster they started the year with, they didn't finish the year with. No. Nah. But they've so, also got games in a couple the key, of guys. That's the key, is what I mean. Like, the, you look at the Titans need to look ex- exactly what Canterbury did mm. as a model to picking up players that are worth less than the value that they bring on the field. And if you can get four, five, six of them, put them together, you're going to be able to plug your way up the table. Mm. And they've got value in a lot of guys. Like, the way Adam Elliott plays week to week, he's, you know, super Corey consistent. You've got your Jacksons, you've got Harrow and I, like you said. they got value out of Dallin coming over. they got value out of a lot of guys. Marshall King provides his value. Nick Meany, even though he got pushed to the wing, provided some value. They found Ockenball, who was good in yardage and finishing some stuff. Napa, I thought, got better as the year went on to start with. I thought that might have been a bit of a mistake. But to cash out Woods and put 300 back into their salary cap, I don't think that was a move. And, They've just got a couple of those guys that bust their ass. Like, Tolman, does he impact the game dramatically? No, but they're just a gritty team that's willing to work and do all the dirty stuff. They're an image of their coach, probably Dean Pay. They're tough, they're gritty, and they don't give anything away to you. Yeah, They're slowly but surely getting to the point where their salary cap's going to be freed up, and we've said this before. I think the big thing for them now is not to just go stupid or panic buy or buy someone for the sake of buying them. They've inquired about a lot of players. They've been in for a Ramian. They've been in for Coruscant. They've missed out on all these guys. As long as they don't panic or just buy for the sake of buying, I think they're really heading the right direction. There's some good things going on here. And as far as moving forward, they've made a couple of smart moves, I think, again, like you are saying, value for money. Joe Stimson from the Storms is a solid footballer. They didn't pay a lot of money to get him over. Can play back row, can play centre, can play in the middle. Dean Britt, I thought, was great for South off the bench. They got value for money there. He comes across. Uh, Sione Katara, I'm probably not as big on that move, but again, they wouldn't have paid a lot. They need somebody extra there at nine now. They've moved on Leisha and New Brown. That's purely a plug-and-play by the looks of things Yeah. for the time being, and they've got some good kids coming through. Their 18s were a good side this year. Their 20s has a couple of kids. The Australian schoolboy captain, Jackson Depine, good back rower, can play centres, can play middle. He's coming through on their side of things. Uh, Jake Avarillo, I mentioned at the start of the year, was meant to play 18s, went straight to 20s, finished playing cut. The kid can play centre. He can play in the half, so... Uh, they're doing it the right way. Of course they are. Well, they've got no other way, like way forward. They, yeah. We look where they come they from. They've got hamstrung. Eastwood, right. the two Morris brothers, Clemmer and Bly Woods, like they're still paying part of all these deals or some off. And they've patched it up, like you said, value for money or flip players for that kind of thing. But, yeah, I think I think Dallin, the way he played last year with Hoppawada and, and the connection that they have along with Remus Smith, Dallin might end up staying at the Bulldogs. When we All the mail prior to that was he wanted to go to Maguire and the Tigers. Mm. which is why he signed the short-term deal. I think he might end up staying. Marshall King, by the back end of the year, again, value for money. Jackson, Remus, Harrower and I, we said all those guys, and the few guys that have moved on, I don't think they've really lost a whole lot. Leisha, Fulalo, Olive, New Brown, like they're all minor contracts in the situation, again, heading towards 
freeing up big money. I think the only real glaring contract still is foreign. But when he's on the field, I st- he doesn't provide the value of what he pays. But if he was getting half of that, I'd be happy to have Kieran foreign. Yeah. I think he's good for any of those kids that he's played with. His body just fails him, like we've said. Like, but he's still a quality football. He's just not worth the contract that Hasler unfortunately left him with. But exactly right. If I'm a Bulldogs fan, I'm feeling pretty happy with the way things are going and I like what the club's doing. So some things to look forward to, hopefully, if you're a Doggies fan there. 11th was the Newcastle Knights. 8th in attack. 13th defensively. The over-under for them was 11.5. You went under. You were correct. I went over. They got to 10. Uh, I was looking at one stage after that big win streak. They might get there, but that didn't happen. 2018, they were 11th, so same spot again. They used 27 players, 4-8 and eight on the away record. Uh, coming to this one, obviously plenty of hype. We saw Ponga last year. We saw Pierce. You had Clemmer come along, Glasby in the offseason, Ramey, and they made some good signings to mix in with their own kids like your Barnett, your Fitz, Gibbons, etc. Sianni Mataudia. It was a poor start. And part of that came on from Nathan Brown, unfortunately, listening to his playing group and wanting to play Ponga at six, which had a detrimental effect. We saw Watson, who played really, really good at nine and a few other spots shifted around way too often and we said it from the start that if they kept changing the spine and not settling on that it was going to cost them the long term it cost them wins early on and then the back end of the year when things obviously went to shit uh, it certainly didn't help that wasn't the main reason but it certainly hurt them at the start of the season but the win streak they got on when they strung together that 6 or 7 was insane after a poor start and home losses they were dominant they were bashing teams their defence was absolutely outstanding they were mauling teams from the middle of the field, just generating quick play of the balls. Pierce got four or five men of the munchies off the back of it, kicking, playing direct. Ponga back at fullback looked absolutely outstanding. Linking with that left edge, they were getting to both their back row. Like, they were just really, really sharp. But Origin, it all kind of come crashing back to earth. They had a few chances to rest players. They didn't. They lost one or two of those games close. They lost the Bulldogs. They had a game against the Warriors. They led the whole way with all their guys out. They lost... One I or think two that, was, that was the killer. Yeah, those three or four weeks during Origin where he didn't rest and then they lost a few of those games, swung things, and then I don't know what happened afterwards. Obviously, the word is, as we found out with Nathan Brown, that he was having a bit of a power struggle with Pezzett, who's the recruitment manager, and he had the ear of the chairman or the CEO. I can't remember which bloody job he had at the time, and it was all starting to conspire and fall against him. And once that turned toxic, it didn't even matter about who the players on the field were anymore. Things just went into ejection mode. Yeah. So unfortunately for them, it all resulted in that Tigers game that we watched while we were down in Melbourne where they got absolutely fucking lapped. Yeah. Brown was fired. The results didn't get any better after that, and they finished the season getting romped by basically Penrith under 20s team by 50 points. So, Essentially. Uh, Adam O'Brien, he's coming in. He's got a hell of a job to do. Not so much as far as like the roster not being good enough. That, again, they've added Jaden Braley, who is an upgrade at nine and gives them more stability again. Ponga finished the year... Pretty piss poorly. Pierce didn't finish the year well. There's a lot of guys. Safidi didn't play anywhere close to the level that got him playing that origin style of football. And if you want to look at their recruitment, or you talk about recruitment before the season, uh, a couple of those additions that they made didn't end up being, you know, valuable or panning out the way you would have liked them have panned out. Kurt Mann was brought there to play nine or settle in. He played up playing a bunch of different positions again. Glasby was solid without being outstanding, but they paid a decent dollar to get a guy who's already 30, 31 and from that storm system. Um, yeah, there's some interesting things. There's a lot of good kids coming through. There's no doubt about that. We saw Best. We saw Stafford Taylor. There's more of those to come. But it's more, I guess, can Adam O'Brien get control of this group, settle things down, get them to buy in and then play football and focus on that rather than any political bullshit or boardroom fighting or splits in the play group because that derailed their season. This Their season going off the rails is not due to playing talent. 
It was self-inflicted internally and whatever garbage they got. Self-combusted. Look, they played good footy for two months. They played good footy for eight weeks and that was it. Mm. Let's face it, uh, up to their potential anyway. So uh, they've they've got to get their shit together and be consistent. That's all. Got some kids coming still. Tex Hoy, a young fullback winger. Jerome Mamasio is another young under-20s forward. Braden Musgrove, Randall. Spoke of Tower Best and a few of those guys finished Crossland who can play in the half. So there's another good crop sort of coming through there along with Braley. I'd like to think that next year Watson finally gets a settled role. And for me, they're talking about Mason Leno playing. To, I don't care where you play Watson, he's got to be in the spine. I think nine's his best spot. But now they've bought Braley, he has to play six. He needs to stay at six. They can't change that. Mm. Leave Ponger at one, which he's declared today, O'Brien. Pierce is your seven. Watson has to be on the field. He's too good of a football player. But in particular, like I said, I thought of Dummy Half, he was excellent. If not, he's going to be rotated with Braley. If you've got Braley there to play that role for 80 minutes, I'm sure he's going to want to play 80 minutes. They finally moved on from Danny Levi. Kenny Dow's gone, Bura, Jesse Raymond, who left during the year. Um, and I guess, again, you know, the Yelinos and a couple of these guys next year, I don't know where their sort of role lies. There's a couple of guys there that need to step up. Aiden Guerra, if he's going to be there, I don't know. There's still talk that they'll try and move him. Garvey's potentially going to the Super League. That's another deal they're going to move. SESE was rumoured to have been wanting to leave. If, if that happens, I don't know. But there still may be some movement. And O'Brien, once he gets there, may have a couple of plays he might want to bring in himself. But very interested to see uh, how he handles this offseason. Yeah. Pierce, Ponga, Bradley, Watson, Clemens, Safidi, Barnett, Fitzgibbon. They have to do better next year. Yeah, absolutely. Have to do better. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the Panthers, 10th. 13th in attack, 8th in defence. The over-under was 13 and a half uh, before. We did our preview before with some of the drama, not with all the drama. We had them over at the time, just. They ended up getting to 11. They fell short. Um, they'd finished fifth year previously before firing their coach and everything going off the rails. They used the most players this year in the competition. They used 31 players, 4 and 8, as far as their away record. This was just bad, like we said, a little bit before we did our preview and the ball got kicked and it got worse. You've got Ivan come back. There's all the drama around that side of the things. We had the sex scandal, the sex tapes, potentially more tapes out there that was lingering and people were worried about that side of things. Gus Gould, the board, Ivan, him not wanting him there. There was leaks coming out of the place left, right and centre. Dallin wasn't happy about playing fullback. They weren't happy with Regan Campbell-Gillard and he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy with Wanga Blake and he wasn't happy with a lot of the big contracts. And as well, things, the big broom's gone through the staff yeah. there. So I... Talking to a few people today that they get they go back on November four and just a few people I know that are very close to the camp just talking about some people that have been there a long time have been sacked rightfully or wrongfully but some heads have rolled uh, Gus sort of moving out has elevated some people and they're now in positions where they're going to move people on that they think may have been hiding away a little bit um, so and their their p- p- high performance staff has essentially been stripped right out. Um, they've had some changes in terms of their lower grade coaches Trent Barrett comes back in uh, so Peter Wallace has been I guess not demoted but he's now the Canterbury Cup coach Guy Missio who was the Canterbury Cup coach is now the flag coach so where's Ben Harden been some uh, well, he's not doing anything he's moved into sort of the pathways role so he's not coaching at all okay there's been some moves there yeah there's some Shuffling of chairs, and it's like the pressure now goes on. Ivan was always going to get that year's grace, but he knows himself. He, he wouldn't have been happy. I saw his speech at the presentation because they, they live-streamed that, 
Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have a massive opinion of Penrith in terms of do I think I know where this is going to go, but I, I just their contracts and the way that they were moving players on and to me it seems a little bit confusing in terms of their direction. So I'm just going to sit back, wait and, and see how it pans out. Because the one thing they're always going to have there is a lot of players coming through. Mm. I can understand where you're coming Eventually from. Eventually got to hold on to one lot yeah. and really push for a title. And I yeah. feel as though they were sort of getting there and then now they're flushing a few and but I think taking a step back a I little think bit. the thing here we need to look at as well, though, like, why I agree with you, a new coach came in, these guys were linked with Gus, they were given these contracts by Gus, he thought these guys were the way forward. And if anything, you look last year, some of the contracts were given, they're bad contracts. I'm not saying that they're not. So if you're, I'm not saying that they're no, not bad no, contracts. What, what I'm, I'm saying, saying is, is these guys weren't buying in either, which we've talked well, about we don't before. know that. Well, they got, all got moved on, so I'm assuming there was some drama. But like Dallin goes to the Bulldogs and plays outstanding. But he was on a big wicket, obviously, at Penrith. And the other thing I think, why well, Gus touts a lot of the time that you know the salary cap's in great condition and the club's in really good shape, it really wasn't. They were hamstrung. So some of these moves were motivated well, by salary yeah, Hamstrung based on performance of players... Yeah, but also just top-end money. They, they couldn't do really anything. They were stuck for the next couple of years. So if you think you're up against the wall, something has to happen. The one thing that they all planned on, and I'm sick of people in the media going, oh, Maloney should have gone to the Bronco, like the Bronco stuff. Maloney was never staying. The whole plan from the moment they got him there, they'd already talked. Basically, that he was going to do two years, and the only place he wanted to go was Super League to play in France. He was busted. He had neck surgery. He didn't play that great this year, and he was injured again, and he got exactly what he wanted. I don't think it would have mattered who made him a contract offer. He would have been going to France. So that freed up some money, but Campbell Gallup, we spoke about before, 900000 to me means I have to be the best front row in the competition. He's not that. So no, whether they cash out 600 there and people are going, oh, that's stupid by them, you can get a lot of good front rows for $600,000. Wunga Blake getting a five-year contract was ridiculous and the money he was on, and I'm pretty sure the Eels basically took that whole thing. So that's a win for Penrith. The Dallin deal was completely moved on. They freed up a lot of money. They upped a lot of kids. I think they had more debutants than anybody last year. Like you said, they need to obviously press forward in that regard. Um, but, yeah, we saw some really, really good players. Like Brian Toto was absolutely outstanding. Brett Naden, who was at the club a couple of years ago in return. Spencer Lane, the young front row. Liam Martin, Billy Burns. Luai played some more football. Mitch Kenny, who's more going to be playing a locker or a bench role, I think, not starting now. They've got Appy Corris out. Uh, I don't really argue with some of the moves they've made. I think the question is there's still more moves, I think, to come. Mansour was given a deal and didn't play great last year. There's word already that they want him to move on. Edwards was already rumoured, and then people have asked what happened to Jack Hetherington. Well, most of the stuff we've heard, and I can't confirm it, is off-field issues, but he's supposed to be going to Canberra. So there's a couple more players to still move out. They shelved most of the reserve grade players or anyone in their top 30, I think I looked at that. They've got about seven or eight spots still to fill. Mm. So there's going to be a lot of young kids, I think, getting upgraded. Either that or they've got some moves up their sleeve. We've heard the rumours about Jared Roy Hargraves and a couple of the Tigers players. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do. But given how they started to where they finished, um, the run in the middle and the way they played their football, I thought they were better at the back end of the year. It doesn't say much for the way they started the year. Mm. They were dreadful. They were absolutely dreadful. But the pressure, as you said, is now back on Ivan because he's done all this stuff. He's made all these moves. He's in full and control. I, look, I like Ivan. And they paid um, his son a squillion. And his son, I think, has been unfairly lathered with a lot of blame and performance stuff when there's not been a lot of good going on around him. And halves need you know, other things to happen around him before they can play well. Yeah. So I think the way forward for them, 
he's going to be there. We know now who the nine's going to be. It's Coruscant. We said they needed more creativity from nine. I think they're definitely going to get that. The real question here is, is Lou I going to play in the halves now? Or is Matt Burton, after the glimpse they got there, going to get a shot at playing six and Lou I potentially be a fullback? Or do you stick with Edwards, who can't ball play? They've got the Jersey flag player of the year, Charlie Staines. I haven't seen him play, but they've got that situation you talked about before again. They've had Aitkins. They've had Charlie Staines. They've had Dallin. You've seen all these guys constantly coming through. When are they going to settle? Yeah, that's my, that's my question. Mm. So I, I don't know. I think it's going to click for them. Don't get me wrong. I really do think it's going to click for them. It's just a matter of when. Uh, I, I just don't know at the moment. I, I feel like I've had a really, really strong read on Penrith for the last... When I was when I was working there, obviously it was a lot easier. But I think for as long as we've done the podcast, I've been pretty spot on with Penrith. This year I was way off, and I, I I'll be honest now, I, I really don't have a good feel. Like they could finish last next year, and I wouldn't be shocked. And they could win the comp, and I wouldn't be shocked. I just I really don't know. Well, I couldn't say they win the comp, and I couldn't say they last. But I can say no. But that's what I'm saying. I, like, I, I really in, don't lingering know. In that middle ground, and not, and but they've done that forever. So, I, I don't know. But nine debutantes, like I said, plenty was moved on. The big thing for them, I guess, moving into this year is, like we said, stability, no drama. If the Tyrone May thing's solved and he comes back, is he an option for nine mm. or playing in the halves as well and playing six? The forward pack turnover. Tommy last year, I think, had the best year he's had since he's been there. He had a really good year, considering. Prior to that, I didn't think he had. James Fisher-Harris was the best Panthers player by a country mile. He was one of the most underrated players to me in the competition this season. He yep. was fantastic for the Panthers. Um, you know, a lot of those young kids, like we said, Liam Martin, give us some good games. Lua had his moments. Toto was absolutely outstanding. That was a great change for them in their set starts and the way they played. Naden, Stephen Crichton at the back end of the season flashed a couple of his games. Lainu, who's only 18 years old, is a physical powerhouse. He's only going to get better with more games. Leota needs to step up and help out. But all the word about them getting Jared Maria, if that happens to that forward pack, that could possibly be one of the best things to happen to the Penrith Panthers club moving forward yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen but there's definitely going to be a squeeze at the Roosters but that I, I don't think it's going to happen I would love to see but uh, they've moved on from a lot of players there's going to be a big change moving in next year there's still players like I said that may be upgraded the Bloor brothers one, they're both on development deals Sean and Dean do they get put in um, yet to be seen but Campbell Gillard gone Katoa Tim Grant Sam McKendry Harmay Selle Frank Winnerstein Payapua Terrell Fumano Nick Louie Toso, Tim Grant, obviously retired early in the year. They've had a decent clean out of some guys that were in their top 30. Yeah. So, some mid run players. New generation coming through for Panthers here again, and all on Ivan's bat. We'll have to wait and see how things pan out. But I don't know how to feel. Like, I know Panthers were disappointed, but given everything that happened and all the bullshit, I actually didn't think. Well, were... your two biggest off field incidents were DeBellin and the Panthers, and they both missed the eight. Yeah. So, but that, given, that, there's no shock in that, is there? It just, they just seem to have ongoing turmoil and change. So given that circumstance, if you told me they were still going to win 11 games and just miss the eight, I would have said, you're kidding yourself. And really, with three weeks to go, they should have made the eight. Exactly. So I'm not saying it was a, good, <clears throat> a great year, but it was a good result considering what happened, in my opinion. But start it's done year, now. people are talking about winning a comp. They had Sigiani Katara and Dylan Edwards as their, their spine players. I don't think they were going to win a comp, but I thought they would have been in the eight. But yeah. Tigers, speaking of, Ivan's former club, they finished ninth again. Just missed out last round. Attack, they were ninth. Defensive, they were 10th. Over, under, 10.5. We both went under. We got burned by half a game. Great. So we lost that one as well. 2018, as I said, they finished in the same spot. The players, 26 used. He refused to use a couple, even though they had some injuries there. Four and eight, their away record. Uh, similar deal. Maguire, 
was it was an awkward start. It's a hard situation. Ivan leaves the club. He gets hired. He's away on New Zealand duties. You can't really make any changes, be involved with the, the pre-season program or do a whole lot. Basically, everything just stayed intact as far as staff, a lot of program stuff, little bits and pieces he modified. But generally, he just had to go with the flow yeah. because he got brought into the fold so late. He comes in, same thing like we talked about with Ivan getting there. He's not a fan of Packer, Madalino, some of the deals they've got and buy. What position does he play? The contract he's on. Reynolds injured. What spots are you playing? You've almost got $3 million locked up in those couple of players. So he walks into a similar situation again where he's like, these aren't my players. I have, you know, he had apparently had some issues with Packer in particular. Madalino might be getting retired, etc. But the one thing I will say, similar to Penrith, adapting and making those changes or not being the same team by the back end of the year, Maguire just says, whoever's going to put their hand up, I'm picking you. He brought in LAA. You saw Ollie Clark play some football. He even had the nuts to ice someone like Nofaluma and put him in check, and he didn't get back into a mid-season. Then I think by the end of the year, he was one of their best players. He was outstanding, but yeah. um, Cam evolved. Alex Twole came to the fore and had a really good year. Garner, when he got his chance at the back, like he just drew the absolute most out of anyone that's basically willing to bleed for him, and that's what he wants. He wants guys that are willing to work hard, defend, and just try their guts out. And I think he's revived Benji Marshall. I know he had him at international level, but Benji Marshall this year wasn't just he was close to their best a player. plug and play. Benji Marshall was one of the better five eights in the competition. He's completely changed the way he's played his football. I think Robbie, before he got hurt, he got the better out of Robbie and got him to blend in. Brooks, I think, didn't get enough credit this year. Like Played if you well. actually watch Brooks, Brooks was averaging almost a hundred plus meters a game running the football. He was free to do what he wanted. A lot of the good stuff that happened came from him and some subtle stuff that people don't realise. It's not just, oh, he threw a pass or like Moses got all these raps putting these kicks in. Brooks had just as good a year as last year, in my opinion. The big thing for them is like we said, their top thirty's not great. They're hamstrung by some bad deals and he had to milk absolutely every ounce he could out of every single player that he threw into first grade, but yeah, they, just, they need to make some moves. Like If Madalino gets moved on or they can get Packer out for a bit or get Reynolds off their books, which has been talked about, Mbai I think they're going to persist with. But the thing with Mbai is that deal's so big, what position do you play him in? Um, I don't think he's a fullback. I don't think they're going to play him as a $700,000, $800,000 centre. In my opinion, with the team they've got right now, I know they signed Billy Walters from Melbourne to potentially plug and play there. <clears throat> Little's coming off a bad injury and surgery. I think Mbai should play nine. No. The times I've seen him kind of getting out of dummy half no, and defending. So, no, especially now they've released Masters, that's where he's going to have to play. Well, I think Tommy Talia will probably get a crack at that jump. He will. That's, yeah, I, I look at him and go, like, they're paying him this much money. I don't know where exactly you want to plug and play him, but the moves they've made for next year are minimal because of their salary cap restrictions. Two moves are future proofing Jape Simpkin and Reese Hoffman, two Queensland under 18 players. One of them, Simpkin being a number nine, and that they're hoping he will be their long term fix. They've just let Esau Masters go, like we said. Robbie Farrell retired. Um, they've got some contracts there they obviously want to move on from. Elijah Taylor's status is still up in the air. Reynolds, Packer, Madalino, Chris McQueen, another deal that he wouldn't want there. And buy. Like, there's a lot of money tied up in four or five guys that could significantly help the club. And probably worst of all, their best player probably this season, it was Ryan Madison. He's only 12 months into a three-year deal, and it looks like he's on the outer yeah. because of his manager and himself and signing a contract and they're not being happy with it and this, this contract this situation just rears its ugly head every single year but they clearly don't want someone there that doesn't want to be there the playing group apparently weren't happy with him and were pretty cold on Mad Monday and who's surprised by that um, and all the talk is that Isan Masters obviously moved on as well but Madison his two clubs are either going to be the Gold Coast Titans or the Parramatta Eels who we met with yesterday so as to where he ends up yeah. not too sure on that side of things but 
Uh, I get the feeling he's going to have to work hard again next year, Maguire, given the group and the changes. It's going to be a very similar team. That if he can get you know another few percent out of Alloy after another preseason, he was excellent. A bit more confidence out of Clark, your Eisenhuths, your Garners, all these guys that punched well above Cheekham, delivered a couple of moments for him. Tommy Talao, McKaylee had a full season now as a 19-year-old. Momorowski flashed some good bits. Like All those kids, if they can have another preseason under him, improve and get to a better level, I think they'll be similar pegging, again, given what they're dealing with, which is you know not being able to spend a whole lot of money and not having the greatest squad in the world, but he couldn't have squeezed any more out of the sponge. No. The Tigers. They overachieved massively. Yeah. Uh, look, Madison, Benji, Brooks, Farratois, Alloy, Nofalut, like some guys were absolutely outstanding and unfortunately for them, and it's the thing that hurts you, their highest paid players were their worst players were not available in Packer, Madalena, and Bly, yeah. etc. Same as the Titans, guys, so. but look where they finished. That's what absolutely kills <clears throat> you. But good uh, addition by the club getting Major Maguire and given the situation. Eighth place, the Broncos, 11th in attack, 11th defensively. Over-under was 14.5. We had the over mark for this one, which, again, if you could turn back time and look at that, you definitely wouldn't do it. But uh, well, they, they got a lot closer than what they really probably deserved to. Yeah, 100%. They got uh, six last year and lost at the same point. Week one, they used 28 players, five and seven away record. Uh, this is similar again. There was a lot of clubs that had drama or movement in the offseason. Seabar, Wayne Bennett did the late swap. There was already players released before he got there, but once he got there, obviously he moved on a couple. There's the standoff with some of the players. Um, you've got the media, ex-players, outrage, all these people. So much noise and pressure before a ball's even been kicked on the club and on Anthony Seabold. But he brings change. He brings a new culture, a new style and regime. There's some resistance from some guys. And as you do, you've got to weed out guys that are going to work against you. So Jaden Sewer, gone. James Roberts, and I have no problem. Nick Arima, where's he ended up on the bench? Carr, who's been moved on from his club already. And Maguire didn't play that well at all this year. So I don't have a problem with any of the moves he made. And part of it was salary cap driven. Uh, and the worst part for them is some of their worst players, similar deal with their highest paid, which is his big point that he just made the board after that embarrassing loss. Gillette's off neck surgery, got a big deal and didn't really play that well. McCulloch, definitely not an origin player. Milford's on a million dollars. Darius Boyd's on 800000 Jack Bird hasn't played in two years and wants out. You get those five guys out of your team and you're talking close to $4 million. Yeah. That doesn't help. But on the upside for them, whether people agree or not, and all the bullshit that was tried out there... I think similar to Penrith, given what they dealt with, I thought it was a good year. <clears throat> you got to blood. To make the eight is almost a miracle oh. considering what they went through. What you blooded, like, and it's probably a slap, really, on the teams that finished below them. Hmm. Like pain because they went through the most tumultuous year was hmm. the Broncos. Nineteen-year-old front row who's already now playing for his country played state football. David Fido touted by some people as the best junior football they've ever seen. Similar deal, borderline playing for his country, played for Queensland by the back end of the season, was the form, if not best, back row in competition. Flegler, Carrigan, two middles that are great. We saw a glimpse of 18-year-old Xavier Coates, Tommy Dearden, Katoni Staggs, Herbie Farnsworth. We saw Turpin come in. There's a lot of positives to come for this team in transition. But again, people want to go, oh, the Brisbane don't do a rebuild, or Brisbane don't fail. Or, uh, Brisbane and the board and Wayne fucked up the year prior. Yeah. Unfortunately... Whether you like it or not, clubs have to at some point make a mistake. They've made a mistake. He's working his way through it. Whether you like Seabold or not, I think it's all for the better. And I went to a wedding on uh, the weekend. I was lucky enough to run into three or four guys I played with at Canberra or met through Canberra and other clubs. Two or three of these players that were out there, one's being coached by Seabold right now. Two were coached by Seabold at South Sydney and one was coached by him in the juniors at Melbourne. And I asked, honestly, 
you, like, is he a good bloke? Is he a good coach? Like, it was all this stuff, like, and they just said, mate, the media stuff's just bullshit. And the bigger part of this is more, again, that the resistance is coming from those who are obviously under threat or underperforming. All the young blokes like him, everyone's bought in on that side of things. So if they can sort out their spine issues and keep blooding some kids, they're, they're heading the right direction. Yeah. But he's unfortunately at the moment, as we said, was always going to be pushing shit uphill. Kev Wilders didn't get the job. Wayne Bennett got fired. All the ex-players, all the people that were outraged and Kevy's mate or anyone that has anything to do with Brisbane threw stones at him. And somehow through all the tumultuous bullshit, they still made the eight. They've got a couple of guys that they, oh, you shouldn't have let him go. Where are they all now? None of them played well or none of them are on the up as far as trajectory is concerned. Yeah. And they have the best young group of footballers. Uh, I think they've got their seven in Dearden, which is the big question moving forward. He needs to stay healthy. Turpin's likely going to be the nine. The real question is the one and the six. Does Corey Pay come in, their own junior, and fill that spot? Does Milford go back to six? Does he stay at fullback? Does Zaharko go to fullback right now? Corey Oates, still not been re-signed, and they've got some salary cap stuff there, finished the year in poor form. Does he get moved on? There's been talk that he's also on the radar of the Cowboys who have got money. At this point in time, the way he finished the year and wanting $600,000, I think if I'm Corey Norman's manager, I'm regretting not taking the 700000 from the Bulldogs the year before now. Yeah. He may end up without a chair, but... Um, I think next year could be another year that's similar, not as in results or whatever, I think, but maybe at the bottom end of the eight. But if they can somehow get rid of Boyd or McCulloch or a couple of these guys and get someone into these halves or Milford forms with, uh, you know, a Dearden or Pay comes in and Turpin's good there and everything kind of stabilises, there's some really, really sharp young kids in this side. It's just about managing it for the next 12 months and trying to settle the spine. Do they look at a Sam Williams or somebody who's out in the market? I don't know. It was a temporary play and plug for 12 months. But uh, I, I think what happened at Brisbane was necessary. And take out those two or three blowouts, which shouldn't have happened, but not surprising when you got half an under-20s team playing for you. Given everything they dealt with and given how many kids they blooded in the age of that team <clears> and the top end not really helping and then pokey gate at the back end of the year, led by the senior play group, I think they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, yeah. Young, on the up, have had their tough year. I think there's still a few little problems they've got to sort out. But well, We'll be interested, like we said, Gillette, Boyd, McCulloch, the Oates not having his deal. There's a lot of stuff <coughs> floating around. Jack Bird, I'll be interested to see what happens with a lot of these guys. But uh, who's Jack Bird think he is? Like, I know he played reps and he won a grand final a couple of years ago, but after all the injuries and all the drama and not basically wanting to be there last year, to be ringing clubs again or talking to clubs in Sydney and still demanding basically full freight, not being willing to pay take a pay cut. I want the Broncos to chip in more than half and then telling clubs again, I'm only coming if I can play 5 8 a fullback. You haven't played footy in two years. Hmm. Like, fuck. If you're unhappy and you want to go, like you're going to have to cop a 12-month deal or cop something on the chin at some point. Like, it's give and take. Or you can just stay at the Broncos right away for a couple of years and end up with, you know, being sad, not playing any good football and then not getting a decent deal and not ending up somewhere half-decent afterwards. He'll be off the face of the planet if he continues along the lines he's on. Hmm. Hopefully, if he does end up staying there, he bites down and just does his job and plays some good football. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there, that's for sure. And with these players in the off-season. But that's enough for Brisbane. Seventh, the Sharks. Sixth in attack. Sixth defensively. Over under 11 and a half. God bless them. They won that last game. That was my bet of the year, Boxhead. Got that one up. Uh, they won 12 games. You were on the over of that as well. The year prior, they finished fourth. They used 26 players. Four and eight in their away record. They were the only team, going back to what I said about the away record stat, to make the eight who was not ranked in the top eight for away records. So there, there you go. go. They got a blip there with an away win in that last game, finally. But drama again. 
They had the salary cap incident. Their coach was removed. They bought Sean Johnson when I thought that was a mistake after losing Valentine Holmes. As it's turned out later in the year, that's ended up to be a bit of an issue for them. Um, the rookie coach comes in, Sean Johnson. He bloods all these kids. Morris does a pretty good job there. We see the likes of Flanagan, Nakora, Ueli, Blake Braley, Billy Magulius, Ronald Malitalo, Sianna Katar, Will Kennedy. There's so many kids there, including Bronson Sherry, and there's a few more to come in Braden Trindle, Jackson Ferris. They're loaded. It's the new wave of the Cronulla Sharks. But at times, they struggle to blend a little bit. Jack Williams is there as well. He was good. We saw some of the old kind of resisting, but similar issue at the back end of the deal, and it seems to be a common thing we keep talking about. They went into a bit of a form slump or played their worst football when their senior players got back. Mm. When Moylan came back, when Woods came back, these kind of guys, they actually went worse. Their best patch of the year, and this is the thing I'm looking at, the Sean Johnson thing and thinking it's a mistake, when Flanagan and Townsend played together, six or seven weeks, that was Townsend getting man of the matches and getting hyped to play Origin and playing good football. They complemented each other. When Sean Johnson's there, it's chaos theory. Townsend struggles to play with him. A lot of people struggle to play with him. Too many errors. His kicking game was poor. He finished the season poorly. They paid him a million dollars. I think they'll be highly regretting that right now. But like I said, funnily enough, the man who signed him got fired and then he's lost. They've lost his son, who was potentially the better option, the cheaper option. He's now gone to the back-to-back premiers and the Roosters. So that could prove to be a real, real sore point moving forward. Uh, There's a couple of guys there. Gallon definitely had a half-decent year, but it was time to go. On top of that, it's looking like Pryor's being scoped out by Leeds. I thought he was okay, but didn't have one of his better years. Dugan, talk about they want to move him on because they've still got a salary cap strip and they're trying to register a deal for Raymond that they can't. Moylan was even spoken of. Woods was mentioned, but I highly doubt that. Wade Gray needs to be healthy for them too. That was a huge loss, him not being there this year. Anytime he was on the field, he was outstanding. Um, as far as like what's coming in next year, it's not a whole lot really. It's basically what we spoke about just now, that that new generation that's been blooded in with those 10 or 11 players, I think we're going to see more of that. They won the state championship. Uh, they did well in their juniors. Again, there's still more come players to come. There was Jack, Toby Rudolph, who's only 22, 23, who come down from Q Cup, won man of the match in the state cup grand final, back off an ACL, 200-plus metres. Jackson Ferris, who scored two tries, and that's only a young 21-year-old centre winger. Jamin Joel Leaf. Daniel Vasquez is one of their junior products. Teague Wilton, who's played all the junior at football. They've got a lot of good kids still coming through that pipeline. Um, do I see them threatening next year? No. But could I see them again at the bottom of the eight with all those second-year players hopefully continuing to develop further? Yes. If Johnson, Moylan, these guys stay healthy, massive upgrade. Feeder staying on the field, staying healthy. Woods playing some better football. Wade Graham playing better football. Uh, Morris was obviously there did a solid job for one more year but with all those outside backs I thought they might have tried to move him on but apparently he's not keen to go anywhere but I think again given the circumstances they dealt with they should have finished higher really they did have some injuries during the year and some slumps but um, to make the eight I think was the right result but they blew some games they won some games they probably shouldn't have won and they probably should have finished a lot higher than they did Mm. pressure here really is Morris and where you go from here with his team what are you doing year two? Yeah. They're just in a a little bit of a transition period. They're in a interesting spot with their roster. They've got some really good young players coming through. Letting funding and go, I think, is really going to hurt long term. Um, you know, Newtown winning is a good sign that they've got some good young players coming through, but it's just those... 
have they got the nine position right? They've let one go and kept yeah. one. Kept There's one just a few, yeah, few little decisions there they've got to get right. Um, and only time will tell. But, you know, I think John Morris did a, did a fair job there. It's a difficult roster to manage, no doubt. There's a lot of big personalities and <coughs> play with a certain level of uh, swagger. But I think if they can keep their key players, if you get Fafita and particularly Wade Graham on the field for extended periods of time they're going to be that top eight, top four sort of side. They had Moylan out for a long time, Fafita out for a long time, Graham out for a long time, Dugan was in and out. So they didn't have a lot of continuity and a lot of guys that are chewing up a lot of cap space. So they've done well realistically to make the eight. And that squeeze, like we said, has definitely been felt. Uh, the only real gain that they had was getting Connor Tracy back as a backup half. He had a really good debut there for South and was one of their former juniors. So that's not a bad player to plug in there and to get back in their system. But... So many more young kids to come. There's a couple more I'm sure we'll see next year, but I think we'll see the slowly end of that Shane Flanagan group, whether that be Dugan, maybe not so much for Fida, but Pry potentially being linked to Leeds. I think there may be a few more guys go still. The big one that really hurt me and I think would hurt them is Capewell. Capewell still hasn't got a contract, been linked to a few clubs. I think he's done everything in his power to try and come to a figure or try and stay there, but they're just that hamstrung and they've now got this Ramian deal that they can't even register yet. So I think Ramian... Sorry, Kate, Kurt Catewell would be a fantastic pickup for plenty of clubs. I'd like a, a Catewell at Melbourne. I reckon you'd like him at the Titans for the right money. I think there's been Well, interest, Titans were interested in him, I'm pretty Interest sure. from the Warriors. There's been interest from Newcastle. Like, there's plenty of clubs interested in the Dragons. So I don't think he's short of options. I think he's just trying to make the right decision of where he lands. Can he play back row more consistently rather than being a utility player? In this situation this year, he was great in the back row. But once Nakora got settled in and Wade Graham come back, mm. didn't matter how well he played form-wise, he just kind of got put back in that utility role where he comes on and can play anywhere from middle to the wing. Yeah. But he's somebody a lot of clubs could definitely do with. So I'll be interested to see uh, where he ends up. Sherry next year, Jack. Like, there's so many good young players here. So uh, fingers crossed they can take a step forward. Manly, sixth place, seventh in attack, fifth defensively. The over-under was 10.5. We went the under. They've had... Some dramas. We didn't know how Des was going to come back. There was talk about Martin Tapao, Dylan Walker, a few guys being happy with some third-party things. Um, the depth, the salary cap restrictions, they finished 15th the year before. They used 29 players this year. Their away record, 6-6. Six and six. But the one thing I will say for Des has, like, all this off-season talk, drama, depth stuff, he come in and just put a fire extinguisher on instantly. Any problems were addressed. He came in, spoke to those players, sorted out Dylan Walker's issues, sorted out Martin Tapao's, Things he upgraded Adam Fanua Blake before he had one of the best seasons he's ever had. I think they probably got a steal there. He'd be on unders compared to what he probably took. Paseca made some smart recruitment moves with some of the junior guys that he picked up in your Elliots and these few guys. Reviving Suley, who's still only a 20 year old, Gallic, Waddell, Cust, Boyle, like they're all bargain boys. He had career best years for Curtis Sheeran and Joel Thompson. Farnu getting into that leading role and now moving on from Appy Corrissia. DC had one of his more consistent years, bar missing a lot of football. Uh, I don't think things could have gone any better considering how much he had to deal with in his setup as well. Mm. And even with the start of the year, like started off poorly, a couple of losses, then they had the big win, they had the Dylan Walker situation overhanging in the head in his court case. Injuries never seemed to be too far away. DC was gone for a period of time, Turbo was off the field for an extended period twice, and then obviously at the back end of the year, I thought they were a genuine threat. They'd knocked off Canberra twice, they'd beat Melbourne, but health got them. Health really got them at the end. When they played that final and still almost beat 
South, considering they were missing their two back rowers, Turbo and, and multiple other players. It was incredible. Mm. They are the absolute picture in the dictionary this year for overachieving or, again, getting the absolute most yeah, out of their like playing group. end of the season, they've got, yeah, back rowers <laughs> out, key players out, Tom Turbo out. Um, yeah, Daz Hasler squeezed the most, I think, out of anyone in the competition to get that roster anywhere near where they were and they were tremendously unlucky to lose that game to South. So could have easily been in a preliminary final. They beat Canberra down in Canberra late in the season when we were down in Melbourne. Mm. Uh, yeah. Beat Melbourne. <clears throat> It'll just be interesting to see. Yeah, beat Melbourne in Melbourne. Uh, it'll be interesting really to see where they go next year. I think the big challenge for them now is to back that up and improve on that. So well, again, we'll see how they go. There's a little bit of a squeeze. They've still got a, a pen- I think their penalty still applies next year maybe. But as far as losses are moving on, they haven't lost a lot. You've got LG. Hodginson retired. Coruscant gives him some relief. Tung and I moves on, but good upgrades. Like Adam Fanua Blake, they got before he played that well. Gazuski had absolutely outstanding season. Parker, Paseca, they got him before he played. He's still got some improvement, though. Tafua took less money. Joel Thompson took a reduced deal to stay. Ruben Garrick had a good year moving over. And then we saw late in the year again <clears throat> some kids like Kepi come on bargain by and the Parramatta Eels, Australian schoolboy. He did a decent job. Albert Hopperwade, who was 17 years old, straight to their top squad, did his ACL before the year. We watched him play all that junior football. He had huge wraps on him. He didn't even make it to the field, but he's going to be back next year as well. Mm. So there's another option for their back line that we haven't even got to have a look at. Farnu's young brother, who's played all the junior at football, he's pushing his way through. He's in the middle and probably one of the most talented under-18s players. Played at uh, Westfield this year. Yeah, Josh Schuster, who I don't know what he's going to... I think he probably turns into more of a back row, but he's a huge body right now. He plays six, could play centre. The third Trebojevic. They've got players coming through. They've got a good senior group. They've got a gun front row pairing. They've got a really good forward pack. And then this back line at Stadium, most people are going, this is the worst back line I've ever seen. Garrick's try-scoring, goal-kicking, played well above his ability. Suli, one of the best young, if not the best young centre, considering he's only 19, 20 years old. Tafua, back to some of his best, and Parker's rock solid. Mm. Like, I think all those blokes are basically back on board next year, 1-17. to 17. There'll be improvement across the board you'd like to think and then a few of those guys that got small tastes at the back end of the year I think are going to be better like Olika oh, Artu Tavita Funa uh, Kepi etc and those few juniors we talked about and if Turbo's back on the field with his brother the spine's intact Dylan Walker started to show some development that ball plane you know it's taken a couple of years if he settles back in on that role and they push forward I think Manly next year a real genuine top threat side for, and especially top four <clears throat> Yeah, agree. Real positive. Just there. need to keep their top end on the field for an extended period of time. Hundred percent. They definitely <clears throat> built some depth we didn't expect this year with your Elliots and a bunch of guys that come yeah. and did more than their job. <clears throat> Fifth, the Parramatta Eels. Third in attack, seventh in defence. The over under nine and a half. We both had the under. They went well over. They got fourteen. Spooners last year to finals this year. Similar deal for Brad Arthur. Like you're talking about overachieving or hitting it out of the park. They used twenty seven players. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Five and seven away record. 
from the spoon and all the drama that they went through. Uh, ego, infighting and issues there. They moved on. from. They were going to move on potentially from both their halves. Norman ended up going. Moses was told to prove himself. He certainly did that. They played hardball with some contracts. Gutherson for a period of time there. They had 13, 14 other players off. I think in the end, they've shown that they handled it perfectly. And I think the best thing for them was their off-season recruitment. Sivo for bottom dollar was a top three, top four winger. Ferguson was worth his weight in gold when he was on the field. Paulo supplied 58 offloads and laid a platform they didn't have before, helped out Brown. And Sean Lane was an astute buy as well. So every buyer was a winner. Everyone that was poor the year before come of age. Moses had his absolute best season, almost won the Dahlia medal. Dylan Brown's a freak for his age. He's only going to get better. Reed Marnie. So they now have a really, really good young spine. They've got a solid forward base. Their back line changed during the year when they got Wunga Blake in. Gutherson obviously was locked in. They blooded some kids along the way. Parry and a few of these guys got some games. But I think they're similar to Manly. They're showing some promise and filling in some of these spots for what they're moving on from next year to what's coming through and the fact they've got significant cap space because they've been in for a few players. I think they're in really good stead. Yeah. Um, and you look at some of the kids that are coming through, like Stefano Yukutukamanu played cup, played under-18s. This year's another front row. Hayes Dunster played in that winning side the other week. Reese Davies, aha. All their kids that are on development deals that they're trying to push through are achieving. And they're all punching well above their weight. And then you look at their 18s, and they've got Australian schoolboys and kids kind of coming through in that regard. So finally, we said a couple of years ago, where's all these juniors for Paramount? They're starting to get a crop actually come through, which is really, really nice on their side of things. Uh, and, yeah, they've moved on from some dead wood. you got French out of there. They've got... Ma'u's not Deadwood, but moving on from a big deal and he's older. Manor's finally gone. Maroa, Pritchard had to retire. But uh, even like right now, they've got a few guys off contract they probably want to keep, but they've played hardball with everyone. They've done the right thing for once. Takarengi, Jennings' deal isn't locked in yet. Ray Stone, Josh Hoffman, who finished the year well. Andrew Davey, a guy they brought down. Greg Lulessiwau, who had played under-20s as one of the players of the year. Cup team of the year this year still hasn't played first grade, but they've ne- they've not rushed a thing. They've handled everything perfectly this year, Parramatta, bar mm. the semi final they got trounced really. But um, massive improvements in all areas on the field, attitude defensively, halves play, spine, forward pack. Their back five absolutely turned things around. Those two wingers were outstanding, led with along with Guffs in the forward pack. The thing for them is finding that next gear, or finding one or two more players, or getting a couple of these juniors in and. Just having a better rotation, I guess. And if Ryan Madison, as we said, becomes available, despite anything that's happened character-wise or person, if he puts the efforts or performances in he had for the Tigers and ends up at Parramatta, that's huge. Well, yeah, it's a pretty significant yeah. move. That's, Dylan, that's Dylan Brown's going to be huge. Too. That and that's you know the sort of move that's going to propel them from where they are into the top four and to challenge for a comp. Yeah, and when you've got a guy like Brown who's played so well as a nineteen-year-old, he's only going to get better. Yeah. And Marnie at 21-22 is only going to get better. Like Wunga Blake, Campbell Gillard's coming across, so they've got another forward recruit. We're talking about moving out of Manor. I'd, I'd prefer Campbell Gillard than Manor, just depending on money. But there's, there's a lot of positive signs here for Parramatta, a lot of positive signs. And it was a good year all around, bar, as we said, that result. Uh, Bank West is a cracker stadium. It's a real fortress, and that's going to be real positive. Moving forward, and there's some real good signs there. And Brad Arthur, luckily they stuck with him. He, he's gone through some hard times, and he guided them through some hard times to let him down. But Spoon to fifth, great result. Yeah, for sure. Great result. Into our final four teams, the South Sydney Rabbitohs finished third in the regular season, eliminated fourth in the prelim finals, fifth in attack, fourth in defence, over under 13.5. We both went the over. That was right at 16. They used 29 players, 
eight and four away record, tied for third. So there you go. And 2018, they finished in a similar spot, eliminated in the same game, but late coaching change. Not a whole lot of change in roster, so we pretty much thought they were going to be a top four roster, given what we'd seen the week before. And Wayne Bennett, if there's one thing we know that he's good for, it's the kiss theory, keep it simple, stupid. They kept it simple. A lot of the things that worked well for him last year, they left in place. He made some smart late moves to get some bargain buys, which he generally does. He got Ethan Lowe over. Liam Knight, who turned out to be an outstanding buy. Uh, mid-year, gets two of his favourites from the Broncos, gets Sewer, who I thought was a good purchase. Roberts I didn't agree with, but, you know, he's got some guys that he just likes to keep around. And to start the season, they were the form side. They beat the Roosters early. They'd won plenty in a row. Cody Walker was the best player in the competition. Broken origin. Damian Cook looked like he developed a bit more of a passing game, changed the way he played. Sam and the pack with Tatola and that behind him looked like they were growing and, and achieving and things were going to be real positive. And then origin came. And uh, as much as Wayne Bennett generally handles these things very well, I don't think he handled it well this year. Well, they were the best side through the first half of the season, mm. and they just fell away from there. It, and it was enough to get them into the top four, but they, they were never really competitive at the back end. No. It, they got a nervous Canberra side close at home in the prelim, but really they didn't fire a shot. No. Origin hurt. Injuries. Blokes were flat. GI retired. Sam, we're now hearing, might have to retire as well with his shoulder. George suspended. Tom missed long term. Cody Walker, off the back of being dropped and all that controversy, went from the best player in the competition after 12 rounds to almost not being cited. Reynolds is always held together by duct tape. Braden Burns started off looking like he was going to be the best centre in the competition. Missed the rest of the season. Gagai missed time. Like, week to week there, like they had constant changes. They reshuffled their back line. Johnston missed a good stint of football. Multiple forwards. Constantly plugging and playing or guys playing busted. In the end, it always caught up with them. Yeah. Um, you may even Murray in that game when they finally limped into the finals after beating the Roosters, convinced it around 25. They just looked like a shot fighter in the first week of the finals. They got blown off the park by a team that had had a lot of guys have rest and managed themselves through that period. And I thought they did very well to get away week two of that win. They started pretty flat. It looked like Manly were coming for them, but they found a way to get the job yeah, done. Yeah, they were lucky in that game. If anything, the one that's more disappointing, I think they should have been in the grand final. Canberra couldn't have given them more opportunities. They were nervous. Yeah. But they just couldn't attack. Their attack was disgraceful in that game. They would have ruined the grand final. They blow. They blew a couple of tries, that's for sure, early on that game. But if you go back and watch that prelim final, given the fact they had players out and they reshuffled their side, Canberra gave them every opportunity to be in the grand final against the Roosters. I think the Roosters would have torn them to shreds again, but Canberra's nerves definitely got the best of them. But South should have won that game. So they make it to the exact same point as they did last year. Do I think they were a better side than last year? There wasn't a whole lot of change bar Crichton. Um, well, they finished the same spot. So. Was there some improvement? Yeah, Tatala was good. Liam Knight, a couple of these young guys, they've let up a good. They've still got some decisions to be made, that is for sure. Uh, now that obviously John Sutton has moved on, does Ethan Lowe come in and take that? Does Jaden Sewer get first crack at that spot after they brought him down? Dan Gagai, what's going to happen there? He was apparently unhappy. unhappy. Uh, now we're you know, finished here on the wing. I think that's his best spot. I'm sure they'd be happy to move him on given the size of his contract. <clears throat> that's one thing I guess you've got to look at there. But uh, I think, again, he makes smart moves, Wayne Bennett, despite what's moving on. And a couple of guys that were handy for him, Dean Britt, who played some games, George, not so much, Hiroti, who made Cup Team of the Year, Reese Kennedy move on, Sutton, etc. Tracy, like Kyle Turner, they're all handy kind of backup guys. But the moves he made... Troy Dargan, junior rep player that he had at Brisbane, he's taken in. 
Adine Gebby, one of the best players in the Queensland Cup this year, a young Papua New Guinean fullback. Stephen Masters, cousin of Isan, played really, really well for the Dragons, only 20 years old, center winger. Like, he just picks up little value buys or bits and pieces here. So, back five halves, not really a concern. I think that'll all be good again. The question is the forward pack. You need improvement from Sewer, obviously. They need someone to push up into their top squad to fill probably, you know, a bit of a bench role there that's left by George or to help out at Tatola and a Liam Knight. And if Sam ended up having to retire this shoulder, that would be a death blow, I think. Huge. That'd be massive for them. So they could go from having the Burgess trio, Crichton, Sutton in the last couple of years to suddenly having almost no Burgesses, no big bodies and relying on a very small forward pack and not having a lot of depth. So uh, that'll be something interesting to watch in the off-season for them there, but... Yeah. Also, who plays fullback? Do you play Dewey? Do you play Johnson? Does, is there a change in that regard? I, I don't know. Mm. But not the greatest end of the year. And a lot of those guys were busted and injured after a good start, like your Cooks, your Murrays. Murray was their best player by far, Cody Walker, etc. But uh, all those guys need to find another gear for next year, that's for sure. And we'll see if there's any off-season movement. Melbourne Storm, first year in the regular season, finished in the prelim final, finished up third after being eliminated. The best attacking and defensive side, over under 14.5. We both went over. They smashed it. 20 instead of the 14 and a half. The year prior, only on four and against. Second, used 29 players, the best away record in the competition. As I said, rings true of finishing first. They were 11 and one on the road. Incredible. Yeah. But uh, another exceptional season. What do you really say? They've lost Cronk, Harris, McLean, Proctor, Slater, Glasby, Hoffman in the last two years, and you write them off at your own peril. They come back. Even with the Croft project persisting again and having the worst defensive edge for half the season, Felice not getting any ball, Sully, etc., not being used, uh, they still dominate. They still find a way to win games. Cameron Smith had another exceptional season. Pappenhausen comes in, gets some glimpses. We see him by the end of the year, one of the hottest young fullbacks in the competition, pushed out Jerome Hughes, who at the start of the year was probably the most consistent, one of the best fullbacks in the comp himself, who ends up playing the halves. A solemn owner, took some steps forward. Jesse, Kenny Bromwich to me was, if he wasn't the best, was one of the best back rows in the comp and one of the most improved players. Him and that left edge, Munster, uh, Addo Carr, him, Olam late in the year, plugging in there for Chambers. like that, that was the real danger, but there was just some small things for Melbourne. I think when they lost Welch because they didn't have a lot off their bench, that hurt. Uh, obviously, the Croft thing and not having a genuine half. Chambers' form was bad. Scott missing part of the year and come back late. And then you've got guys off the bench like Tui, Stimson. Some of the guys they use, you couldn't really rely on. There were some good glimpses, and they, they found some value, as always, with Kamika Mika, Nico Hines, Seve, Eisenhuth. Like, they always seem to find these guys. And a bit of a flash from young Tino, who hopefully will be better next year. But I guess, again, just probably not enough in their top 17, depth-wise or impact-wise, and they still need a halfback. The finals proved that point. They had the Roosters still in a very tight contest, even though they couldn't come up with a whole lot. And... Well, the Roosters were there to be beat. The big difference. They just didn't have the player there to beat yeah. him. And as we spoke about before, when you've got one half or one attacking side of the field, you can push an extra number or basically almost, not switch off, but you couldn't really take Melbourne's right side of the field seriously. So generally, if Munster, Pappenhausen, etc., look like they're setting up to the left, you just push an extra defender. Put the extra number there, yeah. So the ever-consistent storm, uh, especially as a fan, I'm super proud of the season that again. I'm not disappointed at all. I think they well overachieved. Uh, I still don't think they would have won the grand final, but the real question, I guess, is moving forward, what happens? Is it Cooper Johns? He's part of the top squad. Just Jerome Hughes is said to have that full off-season. Do they look at the Brandon Smith, Cameron Smith transition period there to get him out? Or does he even play now? There's, there's doubt over Cameron Smith even playing next year. Mm. How much of a huge blow would that be? 
It'd be massive. You'd suddenly have to either play Brandon Smith straight away and have Grant come on as a rotation player. It, you lose the left foot kicker. You lose the steer. The, basically, lose the spoon that stirs the drink. Yeah. Um, and it leaves a lot on a young spine again in Pappenhaus and these kind of guys who need another year of help and development. The forward pack, in particular, the starting pack, would still be outstanding, but. Yeah, it'd be a huge blow to the outside backs and the spine side of things if Cameron Smith was to move on, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, looking into next year, the in and out side of things, as usual, they're not really a side that has a lot of movement. Carter, who they got for half season, he's moved on. They've got Max King and Isaac Lumilum, who they picked up, who, you know, hopefully develop further. They have a couple of other young kids there that they picked up mid season. Uh, Aaron Penne from the Queensland Cup and a couple of other fellas there, but. I don't think a lot really changes. I think there'll be a few guys that probably do that pre-season, like we said. And realistically, they need Welch to get healthy and they need Tino to step up. If they can get those two guys on their bench, that would really give them a big chance in that regard, which I said they lacked a bit off the bench. Uh, but the big question is still the halfback. And Scott. Yeah, they need a seven. Now that Chambers is gone, if Scott out. stays, he's still only 21 and O-Line's got that other edge locked down. Most boxes you can tick. And say so Melbourne's got the back line... They've got Cameron Smith if he comes back, Munster. They've got the forward pack. If Tino and Walter on there, you've got a good enough bench to contend or have a good rotation. But who's your number seven? That's Smith your goes question. out, it's going to be walking reality for Melbourne. Oof. That'll be massive, especially for next year for our season previews and what's going to happen moving forward. But uh, another good year for the Melbourne Storm, no doubt about it. Second, finished fourth during the regular season, but runners up in the grand final, the Canberra Raiders. In attack, they were fourth. Defensively, they were third. The over-under was 10.5. We had the under. They got that. 15, 20, 18. They were 10th. Players used 26, so the equal least amount. Uh, tied with another side, and their away record again. Second best in the competition, 9-3. and three. <clears throat> After two poor years, they had a complete change of approach as far as squad's concerned. Moved on those big boys in Boyd Paulo. Moved on Austin, who couldn't kick, couldn't ball play, and defensively made them weak. On that edge, uh, and the change was the Pommies. They got in Bateman. They had Sutton come across. Simonson was late pickup from Rugby Sevens and Charles Nickel Clogstad. Obviously, the move to put Jack into the front line, and you look at those three things I just said, they were all addressed. They went from one of the big, slow, lumbering forward packs that could roll up field, but you could pick apart in the middle of the field with bad attitude defensively and being loose on their left edge to Jack going there, completely locking down that edge, making Croker and the guys around him better and offering just a side-running threat and developed as a ball player. Boyd, Paulo going, Papali pushed into the middle. Soliola plays that role really well. They were more mobile. They were more damaging. Second phase, offload, footwork to Pine. Uh, they got more out of a lot of their bench. Like Horsberg punched well over his weight. Liu did a decent job. Bateman and Elliot Whitehead come in, get involved. Second phase, offloads. Their outside backs, obviously, great set starters. They did a good job there. Uh, I, th- I think in Simonson they found a real steal, along with Chance, who they bought for minimum wage, who's now playing for his country. He's probably the bargain buyer of the season, along with Mike Acevo. But I think the biggest thing that, and the reason why we didn't put him the eight, their whole attitude and culture and just had to change. And you just questioned before the season, Bateman's, Bateman's a good inclusion, these things, this and that, but the spine, etc. But defensively, they're always poor. They're a shootout team. They don't like getting on the arm wrestle, and they're one of the worst defensive teams in the competition. And the fact that they went from one of the worst teams in the competition to one of the best defensive teams in the competition lends to the fact they've always been a good attacking side. Mm-hmm. And it put them in the grand final. Unfortunately, uh, rightly or wrongly. Well, I, I had them. I was on them. You know, like I I changed my opinion on them. I, I didn't have them in the eight. Uh, it took me a long while to be convinced by them. But, 
come the middle of the year, I really thought that they could challenge to win it, and they did. Uh, I don't know whether that was... I think that game, the week one finals game in Melbourne probably determined who went to the grand final. And <clears throat> once Melbourne lost that game, we knew that it was advantage Canberra and advantage... Yeah, they went to the um, good side of the draw, I thought. Correct, yeah. So that, that result was huge for them. So all in all, the, the challenge now for Canberra is going to be... Back it up again. You lose one, you've got to lose one to win one. I think they're a classic side for lose one to win one. They would have learnt so much out of that grand final... They were within an absolute whisker. Whether they had the belief going into that game, they've certainly got it now that they can win a comp. They've just got to get that, you well, know, five to ten percent better, and I believe they can do it. Well, this is the but whole I, I just, again. Just let's sit back and watch. The other thing is, is that everyone is going to be doing a shitload of video on them. Exactly. And my other thing is, so they're going to adjust. They're going to get better. Like the but other one year, thing that you can't do video on is defense. Yeah, their defense was fantastic. But, but like the other year when they made that prelim and they fell out, they came back and just expected it to happen. And mm. we know that your Melbournes and your Roosters and South consistently turn up every year. I reckon they would have learned from that. We are now got to ask the question: Is Ricky Stewart and this group now at a point where they're going to be that team that turn up for the next couple? years and are consistently a top four side and with the talent you'd have to think so but we need to see it and it needs to be proven so I hope they do because they were very very close and they're getting George Williams is that an upgrade on Caesar I don't know I haven't really watched as much of George Williams as you have but I think with the Pommies in that environment he might fit right in and they'll make him at home Charles Nickel Klogstad can he improve his ball playing can they take more pressure off Hodgson especially Williams being in the halves can Jack White further his ball playing I'm sure he will um, and then, you know, as far as I think the big question they've got is now what comes along with being a successful side. They've got cap pressure. They're already trying to move Jerry Leilua out. They've got a couple of kids, Harley Smith Shields, who's a center winger fullback, Matt Tomoko. Um, in that position, you've got Rapana, who's talking about taking less money now because he can play an off-season stint in rugby if they let him do that. You've got Kotrick, who's due in 12 months. You've got Croco, who's due in 12 months. Bateman, before the grand final, said he wanted extra money. So now they're also got to deal with that side of things. It's not going to be that easy to just go or roll the same team out. Jack White declined his option for next year, and I thought that was surprising considering what the club's done for him. Um, <coughs> I apologise. But, yeah, apparently they offered him $750,000. I know he's going to play for his country. One man of the match in the grand final played for New South Wales, but I think he's also got to remember that they backed him through some pretty bad stuff for a couple of years there and some injuries and poor form and then the off-season. Um, obviously, those assault charges or whatever kind of happened in that regard so I'm not saying that means you just bow down and take a contract but mm. for Canberra I'd be worried that he's hit the market I don't think he'll leave personally but they're already trying to juggle all these pieces he's going to get offered more than what Canberra offered him I have no doubt about that if Canberra offered him 750 you won man of the match in the grand final play for your country can play centre 5-8 fullback and play the way he played his football there's going to be clubs offering more money than what Canberra Bateman already wants more money Parley and a couple of these guys are luckily Locked in. Well, you need to understand that for everyone that takes more money, you lose depth exactly. and you lose, or you lose a quality player, which affects your ability to make a grand final. So straight away, I have no problem with them <clears throat> moving on from Leilua. The problem is his deal. It's the disease still, of more disease of me. Yeah, his deal already exists, so it's not that easy again. And most clubs that have spoken to them want them to chip in, mm. so they're going to be able to free up maybe three, four hundred. But that's not going to be enough to feed all these mouths. They're going to have to feed. And that's, a, as we said, a result of success. So. I hope Canberra come back. I'm with you. They're one of these teams to look at and go, this is your candidate with a few small tweaks and one or two more players coming in to bounce back next year and be that team that potentially pushes for you know, a grand final. So hopefully that's the case. 
they're not losing much. Royce Hunt, Artie Hingana, and Abbey, none of those players they used. Uh, you know, everyone that basically they locked in Gula, Horsberg, Nickel Clogstad, Simonson, Sutton, Whitehead, George Williams coming over, but they've got some guys already off contract they've got to make decisions on, and they've got guys asking for upgrades. So that'll be the more interesting thing over this offseason to see what happens there. And if they come back, like you said, willing to learn, improve a little bit more, and they're hungry. Mm. <clears throat> but excellent season overall for the Canberra Raiders. And first, they finished second in the regular season, but they end up winning the Premiership. Back-to-back for the first time in 23 seasons, the Sydney Roosters attack and defence. They were second in both. The over-under was 15.5. We both went over. That was correct at 17. The year prior, minor Premiers, Premiers. They used 27 players. Their away record, third best in the comp, 8-3. and three. Um, What else do you say? They had an outstanding side last year. They lost some quality. Madison moved on. Ferguson, some depth players, Momorowski, etc., they got in Angus Crichton, who didn't start that well, and Morrison Hall. But the big thing, I think, for them this year was the injection of these kids they had <clears throat> and the improvement and them being sharpened by the players they've got around them. Then injuries during the year. Nat Butcher would start in most other teams, I reckon, in my opinion. He's a guy that a lot of teams would want. Well, Billy, a lot of their bench would. Billy Smith, who played a game late in the year, has been one of the best young junior centre wingers coming through. Look who he's got in front of him, a 22-year-old and a 23-year-old, Joey Manu and Latrell Mitchell, Australian New Zealand centres. Mm. Ikevalo did a job for a few games. Lamb didn't play that much, but he's still 21. We saw Pawasa Farmasuli, Attili Tupanua, Verrills, who's 20, played the New South Wales 20s game as the captain, showed that he's probably the long-term hooker now after Jake Friend. Like, not only did they have that and they had quality, but... They didn't have it easy either. They had to cover constantly for injuries, origin and change. They rested Tedesco for three or four games. Friend only played six games during the year. Cronk missed four or five. Kiri missed five or six with his concussions. Cordner missed almost seven weeks. Brett Morris missed a stint of ten. Jared missed six or seven games. Injury suspension. Tokio missed five or six. But the quality in their team, the quality of their coaching, that team itself, the way they buy into their defense in particular, they always find a way to win and they always cover. Um, and it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't as pretty as last year's team, but I'm more impressed with this premiership than I am last year's one because they did it the hard way. They did it the real hard way. There was no easy way. They won the prelim. Well, we were just waiting for them to take off, really, weren't we? But it never really took off. They just had to grind, 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 and grind. There was a few games there where they exploded. <coughs> they uh, really, you know, let the Ferrari out of the garage and just unloaded on teams. But for the most part, it was about just getting to the top four, getting to the finals, yeah. and, and they blew South off the park yeah. in that first week. They managed their year perfectly. Uh, they hit the the Melbourne game, which was a really difficult game uh, for them, and then they hit the grand final, which was just as difficult. And they managed both matches. Uh, they managed simbittings in both those games. Uh, so they, they managed injuries in both those games to players who went off the field and um, or were carrying injuries. So... It's a premiership they thoroughly deserve. They've got the best depth, second best O, second best D. But come finals time and in those big crucial matches, their defence was one number one. per match the last two Their defence was number one. And six games. why they are the back-to-back premiers and the first team to have done it in so long. And that's why the teams at the bottom are at the bottom because they've got the worst defence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and moving forward... <clears throat> Winning on defence won't change. The attack might change, given the fact that they've moved on from Cooper Cronk and they've now got Kyle Flanagan, but spoke about this before. Probably one of the best young halves. Naturally plays more to the right side, which is perfect. Kiri's already shown that he has the ability to take that dominant role, control things. His kicking game got better. They've got Verrills, as we said. They've got Friend. They've got depth. Uh, the scary thing 
they're going to have a squeeze for the year after, and they may let one go. They're talking about this year to fit in, but as far as who's actually on the books for next year, already under contract and what they have to do, they don't have to do a whole lot. Like they might lose Tedavana or Ikavalu. That's about it. So if they really wanted to not make moves right now and just play out another year and chase another premiership, the only real change is going to be that Flanagan replaces Cronk. Yeah. That side is still ridiculous. It really is. It is. Um, and Cronk's a huge loss. He is a huge, huge loss, loss. But I'm so, like, you think the development of Kiri Tedesco like the last year is you know a pretty significant spine still even without Coop Cronk. Yeah. And to pick up one of the best young halfbacks and have that forward pack, that back line, it's yeah, it's just a loaded team, and there's still more kids to come. Like getting Flanagan, they got Sam Walker, who I watched play the under 18s game the other week. He's another backup succession plan there. Max Bailey, who made team of the year for Cup, is a prop. He's only 21 years old. He killed it. They had three or four kids that they named a couple of times: 18th, 19th man on development deals, and Christian Tupalutu, Daniel Fafita is a prop second rower. Asu Kapoa is another wing centre. Fletcher Baker, who played Cup, he's a 19-year-old back rower. We played their 18 side this year. There was a couple of really good kids. There was one in particular, I forgot his name, who was a lock, who in a year or two, I have no doubt, is going to play grade. And then there's other players, I think, again, that we kind of underappreciated this year because they had to play other roles. So I think like Radley's back end of the year, he was awesome. <clears throat> he was close to one of the best players in the grand final. And when he plays lock, it just makes him a completely different player. Isaac Liu, to me, is still highly underrated. Tokiaho was the best front rower in the comp until he had an injury in the middle of the year. Like, they're, they're still improvement in this team. Latrell Mitchell, even with a form slump, is days or moments that he comes up with is still better than most centres in the competition. Joey Manu is arguably better, the best centre, just on consistency better than Latrell. But physically and talent-wise, is just as good as Latrell. Mm. Tupo had his best season. Ryan Hall and Morris are still fighting for another wing spot. you got like... Ryan Hall came in for England's greatest, six weeks. Greatest ever were, winger. He was a beast for the Roosters. So, and Morris did a hell of a job too. So they're, yeah. they're still well, in a Morris hell of a spot. Morris was close to best on ground in the GF. So the real question is, can they go for the three-peat with these changes if they stayed healthy and everything went to plan? The key is just going to be, again, top four. Get yourself into the top four and from there, who knows? But Cooper Cronk, what a career. Two from two. It's proved to be the right move. Three GFs in a row. Yeah, but for the Roosters deal, I'm just getting yeah. out. Like, yeah, yeah, but it, two it's proved to be Roosters, perfect. They moved on from Pierce, two from two. And as Robinson said, the biggest thing he leaves behind, which is the reason I feel maybe they will continue, is what he's rubbed off on players like Yakiris, Yutadaskos, and they're now world class players. They're probably the two best players in their positions now as well. Mm. And they've already had Jared and other guys that were close to the best, if not the best, in their position as well. So there's enough leaders in this team to continue on with that Cooper Cronk. I honestly do believe that. And that's a scary thought. Yeah. But there you go. There's all the season reviews done for this year. The team of the year, Brock. We've got our own setup, but obviously our own fans. I've got a few of those up for voting at the moment, and fans are voting. No surprise, a few of the positions so far. Fullback, I'm basically didn't even have to look at. Tedesco probably had about 90% of the votes for the fans. Uh, as far as wingers, one winger is locked in. Mike Sivo, they've locked in. There was a vote between Marmolo and Tupo. So I've let that one run for a bit longer. The centres, Joey Manu, is easily locked in. But similar deal again. There's only a couple of votes at the moment separating Latrell and Staggs for the fans. So a lot of blokes were happy. For the fans? For the fans. They liked uh, Katani. 5-8 was very, very close. Uh, Jack Whiten didn't get as many votes as I thought. It's a showdown between Munster and Kieran at the moment. They're only a couple of votes apart, so I've let that one run as well. Halfback, DCE. Uh, he's out in the clear pretty comfortably at the moment, so I think he might win that one. Hooker. Smith, he's clear ahead of anyone. 
props and second rowers I haven't put up yet were going through gradually, and Locke. Locke was a bit of a struggle. The votes were pretty evenly spread along Murray, Tamalolo, and Jake Trebojevic. That's a very hard position to pick. I'd go with Murray, but I don't think you could go wrong with any of them, and you could have your own opinion on why, but they all had outstanding seasons. So um, there you go. Fans team of the year. We'll post that up once everything's settled, but our awards, Brock, and our own team of the year. Let's get into the fifths. We'll rip through these. We'll do our team of the year last, but we'll run through some of the other ones. And first of all, Interchange Player of the Year. Uh, there were some good contenders for this one, but similar to the Daly M, I think this one's pretty straightforward. It was Brandon Smith for me. Yeah, same. He can play nine, can play middle. He's aggressive. He breaks tackles. He goes line speed. He comes on. He changes the game. I give raps to other guys like Braden Hemingueli. I think he came on made a massive impact for the Sharks during the year. Had some good stints there. Connor Watson, when he was playing nine off the bench. Farnu was another one I thought about heavily when he was playing his stints for Manly. He made a big difference. Um, but Brandon Smith, I thought, was probably the, the best interchange player this year. Yeah. So we both agree on that one. Rookie of the year. What a hell of a class this year. You had Sherry, Mike Acevo, Payne Haas, Pappenhausen, Nakora, Staggs, David Feeder, Tommy Dearden, Garrick, and I've probably missed a couple, but it was absolutely loaded. It's impossible to go past Payne Haas for what he achieved this year, but, man, like what a class. This is a hell of a rookie group. Yeah, we say that every Dylan year. Dylan Brown. There's always good players. And, um, yeah, I've got Payne Haas. Like, a 19-year-old who plays close to 80 minutes, moves like an edge back rower, has the engine of you know an 80-minute player, the output and the power of a Tamalolo with footwork skill, the extras to boot. Probably the most impressive things when you see the stuff he does off the ball. Some of the try saves, some of the chase efforts. The trial really ran away from Dylan Edwards, and the kid's 19, already played for state and country. This is going to be one hell of a player. Mm. So we agree on that one for our rookie. Rep player of the year, again, don't think it needs a lot of explanation. He was the origin man of the series, and I have no doubt he'll play well for Australia again. It's James Tedesco. Teddy? Um, Papali, Cordner, Cook, Gagai, there's all these guys that play okay in origin, but hands down, by a country mile this year, Tedesco in all arenas was the best player in the rep arena in particular. Outstanding. Female player of the year is one I've added in. It's pretty similar to what they had the other night. I think you'd probably agree with me here. The one who won the award was Jess Sergis. That's who I've gone with. Um, I think you'd agree with me on that one. Yeah. Jess Sergis. I, I think I didn't watch enough of the women's stuff, but yeah, she was the best player I saw. Her own teammate, I thought, was probably a little underappreciated. Batil Vet Walsh, who plays in the New South Wales comp for the Tigers at fullback. She was awesome. Millie Boyle, the Broncos front row, was also pretty good. There's a lot of good female players, but Jess Sergis. Combination of power, speed, skill. Uh, yeah, her and Vetwell was very close, but we go with Sergis. Most improved player of the year, Brock. Who do you have? Kenny Bromwich. I had him listed. I had Chance. Like, there's a lot of guys here. I went with Jack. I know he's been playing for a long time, but to go back into a position he hasn't played in a long time, play origin, even though he played centre, but develop the way he did and then play the way he did in the grand final, uh, he's the most improved to me. <coughs> but yeah, some hell of players there. Siren, I thought, improved massive this year. Vanua Blake, Ken Marmolo, Bromwich, Chance. Uh, but there you go. That's our most improved. Comeback player of the year can be injury, form, someone who's just come from the face of the planet. Uh, who to you came back? I had Wade Graham. Came back from the ACL last year, made Origin. He was good in Origin, that's for sure. Fantastic for Cronulla. Mine was different, not so much in the injury, but a comeback of just the player. Benji Marshall, a couple of years ago, went to Brisbane, played off the bench, plugged in. Last year, played some minutes. This year, he played for New Zealand, and I honestly thought he's one of the best five-eights in the competition. Yeah, he was transformative for the Tigers. He's completely changed the way he plays. 
his game. He knows how to manage a game now. Kick, he's better ball player. I think a comeback of a different sort, but he was world-class this year, Benji Marshall. So yeah. I had him in that regard. Uh, fallen player. Could be someone who's injured form-wise. Uh, easy for me, Ash Taylor. I had the same one. There's plenty of other guys for the category. As we said before, we don't condone anything to do with mental health. Hopefully, Ash is all good and he finds his way back to football, but his form at the back end of last well, he's year... He's getting paid one million yeah. and he's playing Q Cup. And heading into this year, it speaks for itself. Uh, Matty John said he'd be the best... Yeah, player moving forward and obviously... Yeah, two years ago. Hopefully, he gets the help he needs and sorts himself out and falls in back in love with the game of rugby league. But at this point in time... Um, well, he's fallen from yeah, where he was. He's fallen Simple massively. That. That's got nothing to do with his mental health. No, but hopefully he can get himself back on track and we get to see the best of him. But, mm. you know, you could have had Boyd, McCulloch, Chambers, I think, who's obviously moved on. Now, there's a couple of guys who had pretty ordinary years. but <clears throat> Peachy went from origin oh. to bench. Yeah, you're right. Underrated player, Brock. Who's your most underrated player? I went Corey Thompson. <clears throat> Corey Thompson? For the, the fullback for the West Tigers. I thought he was outstanding this year. I've gone <clears throat> Kurt Catewell. I still think he's underappreciated, but the other one I had ticked here, and both of these guys have you played. You have one, mate. No, I'm just you the, the you honorable, off man, we have honorable mentions. But no, I, that's rubbish. I've gone with Kate Well, but two other guys I considered. I still think Fisher Harris is underrated, and I still think Isaac Liu doesn't get enough credit. Like they're both very good footballers. Uh, overrated. Who did I have for overrated? I had Shannon Boyd. I've got Sean Johnson. He's gone from. Boyd's gone from a test player. That was his big sell to the Titans. I'm a yeah, test player three years and ago. yada, yada, yada. Um, he was poor. He was poor. I've gone Sean Johnson because he basically said, I, I want the million dollars or I'm going. I'm worth it. In a decade of football, he made a grand final, one eight spot. He hasn't really done a whole lot. You don't like Sean He won a gold boot. He probably shouldn't have won in that season. Uh, he rocked up here this year. I don't think he, he played that well. He didn't deliver a value for money but as far as what he's getting paid and the opinion of the player I don't think he suits it James Roberts flew the radar for me very very close just to be overrated uh, Ben Hunt given his pay packet as well but I think Johnson given his season and the money and what happened at the Warriors best buy the year for you uh, Charles Nickel Crockstad yeah. oh, sorry best buy I had John Bateman alright well, I had Chance, but purely, like you said, there's, there was a lot of good buys. Bateman, Simmonson, Canberra had a couple. Sevo for value for money. Ferguson, Paulo, Garrick, Madison, Liam Knight, Brett Morris. But for Chance to come over on the value that he came over and deliver what he delivered for the Canberra Raiders and the way he played this year and now playing for his country, uh, they've obviously had to upgrade him a bit like Sevo, but those two, if you want to talk about value for money. Bateman, obviously, looking for an upgrade, but wasn't paid to that standard. Brought a massive culture change, I guess, but there's a few really good contenders for that one. You're all over the shop here in terms of where you're going. <clears throat> With the list you sent through. My bad. Go. I had to write it by hand, mate. Worst boy. Who you got? Ben Barber. Never even played a game. Never played a game. That's because he never hit the field. <coughs> but the, the two obvious ones for me, and I don't want to go to a Titans hate. Peachy but and Boyd. Peachy and Boyd. <clears throat> yep. Well, I had Barber like you, but also I must underline Johnson just because of what it ended up costing them. Yeah, of course you did. Then I looked at Nene and Bartlock for the Cowboys. Two guys they bought, one didn't get on the field, one got on the field, got injured, then got himself fired. So two guys they invested in didn't even see the season out. One didn't even make it to them. Uh, Peachy and Boyd I'd had written out. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of guys that contended uh, for that category. Who's your toughest player in the competition? Uh, toughest? Reed Mahoney. Average 73 minutes, most tackles in the comp, average 44 tackles, sorry misses. His tackle efficiency is up above 90%, which is huge. Mm. 
he plays in the middle. They didn't really have a hooker option to come off the bench. I, I just saw it for a young kid. If you want to talk about tough, yeah, uh, that's tough. Certainly is. Uh, just I, constantly tackling blokes that are bigger than you. Yeah, I had a couple of names there, but the one I ended up landing on again. He doesn't play as many minutes, but and he's a little bit thicker. I went Brandon Smith from Melbourne again. The way he runs and the way he treats himself is of that as if he thinks he's Nelson Asafa Solomona. He's mental. Mm. He treats himself like a human bowling ball. And like, he's thicker, obviously, but he's not big. He's not big by any stretch of the imagination. But the way he plays, he's trying to hurt people. Yeah, He's an outstanding footballer. But like you said, I had Reed written there. I thought Pappenhausen, the way he threw himself at the back end of the year for how much he weighs. you got Marshall King, the way he defends. There's a lot of guys there. But uh, I landed on Brandon. Uh, there was a couple... Of awards that I scrap rock, so did you? Yeah, which ones? High low. I don't think it's worthwhile anymore. Most people don't even know. Try and game. Most people don't remember. All oh, right, I've done my research. Oh, you ripped in. I was going to scrap peanut of the year and dirtiest player, but what do you reckon? Oh, so you're keeping peanut and dirtiest, but we're not going best try and best game. Oh, well, you can go those if you want. If you got them, go for I've going. got them. Yeah. So who? What are we going? What was your? Let's go try of the year. Try of the year, I went the James Tedesco <coughs> Origin Game 3. Hello. Well, I had that one in my emails. Hello. For the exact same reason as you, because yeah. we were screaming our tits off, and it was awesome to see New South Wales finally have one of those moments rather than happen to us. Game of the year, I had Good Friday. Uh, Roosters Storm down in at Amy Park. Latrell Mitchell kicks the 45-metre field goal in Golden Point. That was an absolute belter of a game for me. That was clearly game of the year for me. That was a pearl. High, what highlight, low light? I thought the highlight was attending Bank West for the opening. I was there that day. Ripper. That was awesome. And Origin Three, they were the two real highlights. And Grand Final was great. Mm-hmm. Season low light was I thought was the standard of play from Team Seven to Sixteen. That was pretty poor. I I had similar. Eels view. Eels Manly, they wavered. They were close mm-hmm. to, to being poor, but that for the most part they were good. But I thought the standard from 7 to 16 was the lowest and it impacted the quality of games. I turned off a lot of games or I fast-forwarded a lot of games this year. I got to the end of the season and I was I was ready for a break because I just felt as though I watched a lot of shit games this year, I've yep. got to be honest. Uh, and I just I really hope next year... And that's nothing against the top six sides. Mm-hmm. The rest of the teams have got to get up to that level uh, and be... And you know what? I'd, I'd say I'd throw West Tigers up into that mix as well. I don't think they laid many eggs this year. Mm. They punched above where mm. they... And and probably the Bulldogs at the back end of the year. I enjoyed watching them play, and the West Tigers. They tried hard well, the ones that for the ability. Hurt, yeah. So that's probably eight sides that I'd go. Okay, like I, I really think for the majority of the games that you played, you're well, up there. It's your Penrith, your Dragons, your Cowboys that had some talent that let you Penrith, down. Dragons, you watch those Cowboys, games and you're like, oh come on, Titans were just dog shit. You just couldn't yeah, watch that, them that play. Was a off every the week, Warriors, the they they are who they are. They're hot and cold. Um, who else? Newcastle played good for you know a handful of weeks. They have some quality players too. So they, these kind of guys made. Some Brisbane weeks. were just hard to watch. So yeah, I just I felt as though they when they played against those top sides, they, <coughs> rarely were those games close. So yeah, I just I just thought that there were a lot of crap games this year. Well, my highlight, similar to you, I thought the Origin series again was a real highlight for me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the finale in particular. It's a gift that keeps on giving Origin. I enjoyed the Rooster Storm clashes both games again. I look forward to those. And then the semi-final, I thought all those three delivered. And I just enjoy every year new players. Every time you think you've seen someone outstanding or great. Like, you always know these players come, but I never get sick of debutants or people like Payne Ars or David Vita who just rock up and just blow the status quo to pieces. Mm. Um, my big low light is probably... 
rightly or wrongly, again, and I said it last week, some people won't be happy, some people will disagree. Just the fact that the grand final, even though I thought they got the call right, that we just finished on a negative. And that's all I've heard the last couple of weeks. And it, it gives me the shits, to be honest, because yeah. it seems now like talking we, about it again. we take any opportunity to bring a negative out of a positive yeah. situation. And I really enjoyed the game. I, I enjoyed the finals, but everyone always has to come up with something that they're unhappy with, which is just Don't bring it up. the 2000s or this generation. Don't I guess. give it up. Everyone's always got a problem. So, yeah, <clears throat> moving on from that. Peanut of the year, who you got? Ben Barber. Off field and on field, I've got Hudson Young. Yep. He bit, t- bit someone twice. I. Yeah, I gouged twice. I gouged. Sorry, didn't. Bite. He's a biter. <laughs> um, I gouged. Like the second one, I'm not sure whether he I gouged or he didn't. But he's made two movements to the eye. Just yeah, two cracks, and you've done. Peanut. And the first one was just blatant. You're a peanut, and that's um, nothing against the kid. Like he's young, no. and he was clearly upset. Got to get about that it. shit out of his game. Though. He was almost in tears when it got replayed on the on the big screen. I feel horrendous for him, but it was just a peanut moment. Yeah. Ricky Stewart would be going, what have you done, kid? Well, the fact that he tried to defend it the second time, I was looking at Ricky a little bit going, you've got to be kidding yourself. Like, mm. Come on. So uh, that one and the dirtiest player. Well, could... regardless of what your intent is, the footage just was <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah, indefensible. Peanut, I was similar to you. I was thinking Barber because he didn't even get on the field and the amount of chances he had, but Hudson had the two cracks. Maguire was obviously right there. But, mm. um, well, I got Maguire in another category. I ended up going with Hudson because the fact he had the second crack like you were talking about, but dirtiest player. Dirtiest. I've, I've got Maguire. 100%. Because he's, it's his fucking award. It should be the Josh Maguire Dirty Player Award. I don't you know. can't give it to Josh I've Maguire. almost picked him every year. I think I picked Blair. I'd, I'd, Blair and him have rotated. Him and Blair. But. When yeah. they both retire, it'll be the Maguire Blair Memorial Award. May as well at this point in time, but that wraps up basically all our normal awards. Brock. What have you done? Did you get Bargain Boy? Bargain Boy went Charles Nickel Clockstad. Yeah, well, that's the one I've got there for Nickel Clockstad. What other ones you got? Over Best coach, worst coach. What nah, have you done? You can go there. Best coach. I got Best coach. Craig I went uh, Trent Robinson because I take into account the whole year. Yeah. To so get a team to win back to back. I don't think Melbourne were anywhere near as talented as what they've been the worst last couple coach. of years. I went worst coaches. The Gold say, Coast the Titans were trio. absolute basket case. I wrote that down. Fundamentally, they were disgusting. They lacked core skill. They lacked motivation. They lacked attention to detail. My lord. Outside of that, I'd say it'd be Mary or Kearney or someone, but there was a group of poor coaches this year that well underachieved. What so. about your um, <clears throat> overachieving team? I had the Raiders. Overachiever. I didn't have them in the eight. I had the Eels. I thought they were going to get the spoon. Yeah. They come fifth. Uh, <clears throat> an underachieving team. Well, that was again that, Dragons. that core group. Penrith, Dragons, Cowboys, but I think the, probably the Cowboys let me down the most. I know they had injuries, but... I went Dragons, man. They finished second last. They had a lot go wrong. Penrith had a heavy turnover. Those couple really disappointed me. I have to think of that before. All right, let's go team of the year and get out of here. All right. Your fullback, Brock, same as mine. Who do you think? It's pretty obvious. I'm pretty sure we're both going to have James Tedesco. Yes, we do. Who are your wingers, Brock? I've got Daniel Tupo, Ken Marmolo. I have the same wingers as you. Who are your centres? I have Latrell Mitchell and Bronson Sherry. All right. Well, I've gone Latrell and Manu. I think Joey Manu at the back end and... Yeah, I, I think that that was a hard one. Centre's got a lot of guys. Well, let's go. Few, there's a few notable mentions. I've got Nickel Clockstad for one, for fullback. Well, fullback, I thought Sheck, Nickel Clockstad. But I've got, I've got Roger Sheck. I know. Roger we'll, Sheck we'll get to that. Don't give that away right. yet. Okay. I thought Gutherson had a, a really underrated year. Tupo, Sivo. Well. Uh, sorry, Sivo and Ferguson oh, I had. Sivo and Ferguson. Nofaluma had a good year. First centres, I had Manu and Hopawade. Hopawade had... He had a great year. A fantastic year. When I looked at the stats... Croker. Silly. And I'm not a big stats man. Yeah, I know. He was effective. Hopawade was very, very good. More runs than anyone. More metres, more yeah. carries. Sherry I had in there, like you were saying, Staggs, Hopawade. Righto, 5-8. I went with Jack. Yeah, so The way he finished the year, the development... Winning the Clive Churchill. Winning the Clive Churchill, the way he played. I thought... 
Kiri and Munster may have had better patches. Munster but fucking fell away big. Exactly, but that's what I mean. And Kiri missed a big chunk Kiri, there. Where he's I, if Kiri played Origin and played in an Origin winning series, that would Jack's have been right development from go to O to where he started, where he finished, and basically missing no football and the way he played in the finals, let alone Origin. Um, I had to pick him. Right over. I had to pick Half him. Honourable mentions, like you said. Kiri oh, Munster. Yeah. Kiri Munster. I thought, I thought Cody started the year on fire, no. but he just never got back, no so unfortunately. Seven. Daily Cherry. I went DCE, but I was close to Moses. But again, like people flip out. Like I watch games and I'm like, the, some of the kicks aren't, they're not thought out kicks. They're just people winning contests. And his actual effect on games, his running game, still being on the ball. He still missed more tackles than any half in the competition. I think he severely improved and the team severely improved around him. But I thought DCE consistent. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I was leaning towards Brooks again. I didn't go there, but. No. Um, Nine. Smith. Yeah. Right. Honourable mentions, Cook, Props. Hodgson, a couple of those guys. McInnes from the Dragons had an outstanding yeah. year. Props, I went Haas and Papali. I thought that was the easiest. I have the same, but I was very close to picking Fenua Blake. No, you're on drugs. No, I'm not on drugs. He was very, very good. Um, over those two, not a chance. Backrow. John Bateman. Yep, I and got I that. went uh, David Feeder. Oh, I went Kenny Bromwich. Kenny Bromwich consistently across the year. Yeah, I get it, but I I've got him as down as a notable mention. I just sort of right now, if I'm picking, who do I want? I I'm Dave Feeder. Well, I'm just again. We, we said the season, so I'm going all that way. Yeah. I went Murray. I went Murray. You could pick multiple others, but again, Radley and Talmalolo are my two honourable mentions. All right, let's get into the four benches. Yeah. Well, you also forgot Dale Fanuk and Jake Trebojevich. James Fisher Harris. Yeah, there's no, a lot no, of good none ones. None of them are on my radar. Back rowers as well. I thought Mad- Madison could have been there. And then a lot of other guys were patchy. Cyrano Madison, year, Bromwich. Cetera, I think Fido. the two manly boys. Yeah, um, Thompson, Thompson Cyrano, Cyrano. I just mentioned that. Um, all right, your bench. Who's your first one? Josh Hodgson. Well, I went Roger Tuivasa-Shek because I think if he's playing at the Roosters... Well, these are, for me, these are in no particular order. Yeah, well, I've got Shek. I've got Roger as well. Mm-hmm. So who's your second My bench? second one, my bench is all the uh, three-letter Names as well, the old RTSs and all that. My next one's James Fisher-Harris. Yeah. I thought he was incredible. And I, I'm not really, like you're saying, stats or things don't really bother me. I wanted to know, you, you know, when you watch the bloody footy and they have that VB hard work index and what it's made up of? I'm like, what the hell is that even made up of? So I want to know what it was. And it's a combination of negatives for negative plays, missed tackles, all this kind of stuff, as compared to tackles, runs, decoys, support, like just all the little shitty areas of the game. And he won it by a country mile. Yeah. But even just watching him play for Penrith every week, what he delivers, the intimidation factor, he's all around game. So he won it for the competition. He was the number one player in the hardworking index for supports, decoy, like just all In the, the comp. Yes. He had the most decoys in the comp. He had the most know. supports, decoy, all those things, all the little effort areas. Right he was right. like top 10 tackles um, and everything. Like he was just... Your last two. Uh, I had Charles Nickel Clogstad get on my bench. Right, I game, had Adam was... Fanua Blake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and my last one, one was Fanua Blake. Right, I had Mitchell Moses. There you go. I threw Moses on there. I I think some people might blow up and say we should have had him as your no. five eight, but I. This is what we have our bench for. I got we, White, we get guys in. White and <clears throat> Cherry Evans. I think earned their spots, but I thought Moses was not the sole reason, but a very very. Um, big reason why Parramatta finished so high up the well, table and, and I thought he, thought he deserved his spot in the team. Outside of my bench and like you said guys in their positions I thought McInnes was incredible considering what he had to deal yeah, with but, but team you've, still got, you've still got Hodgson and Cook and that and I thought Madison uh, Munster for half a year Moses Jake Chaboy which time I'll have great again Dale but I'm happy with my team. So am I. <coughs> and if I was going to have him coached it'd be by Bellyache. Yeah. 
More than a bit by Robbo. So there you go, Brock. 1-17, to 17, go through your team of the year for the listeners. Uh, Tedesco, Tupo, Mitchell, Sherry, Marmolo, Whiten, Cherry Evans, Haas, Smith, Papali, Bateman, Fafita, David Fafita, Murray, and then my bench is Hodgson, two of us are Sheck, Fanua Blake, and Moses. Yep, and my team, fullback, James Tedesco, the wings, Daniel Tupo, and Ken Marmolo, the centres, Latrell Mitchell, Joseph Manu, the 5'8", Jack Whiten, the halfback, Daly Cherry Evans, Front row is Josh Papali, Payne Haas, the hooker Cameron Smith. The back row of John Bateman, Kenny Bromwich and Cameron Murray locking. And the bench, Roger Tuivasa, Sheck, James Fisher-Harris, Adam Fanul-Blake and Chance Nickel Klogstad. Right, player of the year. Very easy. James Tedesco. Hello. Every year we've been unanimous and it's been fairly easy, but this one this year will cross. Have we been unanimous every year? Yeah. Okay. Easy. There you go. We haven't argued on any of them. Last year, I think we had a little bit of a discussion, but Cook season was the most consistent, best, and we went. Was Cook? Cook. Was Cook it last year? He was it? our player of the year. Okay. But, there you go. Uh, going through overs unders, Brock. I had a look the other day. The last couple of years, I've been 13, 12, and 11. This year, we both hit a massive speed bump. We only got six each. Six out of 16. That's our worst year. It's the first year we didn't go above 500. But the last couple of years, you've been around 10, 11. Yeah. I had 13, 12, oh, yeah. 11. So we yeah, hitting, yeah. we've been hitting really high. Give yourself a wrap. No, we've been good, but we've right been 60 plus. But season yeah. predictions, uh, premiers, I had the Roosters, you had the Broncos. Uh, minor premiers, we both had the Roosters, <clears throat> they were close. Spoon, Eels, Tigers, we're both well wrong. Uh, I was definitely not really. Well mine still made the eight. Oh, didn't make the eight. <clears throat> well, mine bloody made the finals. Slider, we both had the Warriors, that was right. Improver, we had the Cowboys, which didn't pan out. Dark Horse, I had the Sharks. Uh, I wouldn't say they ended up being a Dark Horse, you had the Dragons. Ugh. Top point scorer. Had Latrell, you had Azarko. Azarko had a shit year. Try scorer, we both had Oates, which didn't pan out. Dally M, I had Kiri, you had Cook, neither were there. But we both got our $100 best bet of the year. I had Sharks to win over 11.5. They did that for us last round. You had Roosters top four, and also last round, you were death riding the Tigers to miss the eight. I wasn't death riding them. Yeah, and top eights, as usual. But I had a significant. I had a significant bet on that for the listeners, a significant bet. Significant. A week wages. You had much a significant sum of money, mate, to try and I did. win. So Brock was sitting there, death riding the tigers, all the greats, everyone at Leichhardt. Mm. Brock was on the hill with a can, mm. saying, "Fucking burn to the ground. Give me my money back." I just wanted my cash. That's all. Yeah, fair enough. For the fiends, uh, top eights. We both picked five of the eight, which is pretty good, I guess. Well, and then, you know, you look at the three. We say this in every, every preview show. There's going to be three that are going to drop out. Don't know who they are. And here it is. I had Panthers, Cowboys, Dragons, and Cowboys, Dragons were seven, eight. And none of those teams were in my top four. So right. I put all of them in my bottom four. They're the ones that who missed. Who did I have? And then you look at, oh, yeah, you had Roosters. Yep. Broncos second. South third. No, I'm talking about who, who missed out. Made Same it. teams. Who were they? Penrith? You had Panthers, Cowboys, Dragons. Same deal. But then you look where you put the other teams. So I had Raiders 12th, Manly 13th, and I had the Eels for the spoon. So mm. almost my bottom four got all the way up, and my bottom four of my eight were all the way out. Mm. Uh, vice versa, like the teams that you didn't have in, you had the Eels at 12th, you had the Raiders at 13th, so similar spot to me, and you had Manly second last. So we were well off on a couple of teams, but it happens every year. Mm. Someone dramatically improves or blows you out of the water and completely surprises you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just some small things to finish off. As I said before, Jack Whiten may or may not be with the Raiders after next year. He's not After next year or this year coming? After this season. 
He's got next Well, this year. isn't good. This isn't good PR. But he hasn't taken his deal. He's going to market. Okay. So he's going to see what he can get. His manager basically said, well... Isn't it crazy that we live in a world like in the NFL... 12 you're months not, out. Yeah, you're not off 12 months out in the NFL. No. You're off when you're off. They offered him 750000 They've knocked on the head and his manager's already released that, well, before the start of the year, we weren't playing for Australia and New South Wales. I'd be crazy if I didn't go to market. It's not saying we don't want to beat Canberra. We're not going to accept the deal right now because we have to see what the market says first and right. then we'll talk to Canberra. Okay. So they're not being negative, but they're basically telling Canberra we want to get an assessment. We want market value. So we're going to find out. Right uh, Masters, the Cowboys, has been confirmed since we last left. Good move, bad move? I think... Good luck to him. They're tied with the salary cap. He obviously thought he'd get more money. Maguire said if you can get more money, you can go. Uh, he, has, he picked him for New Zealand and gave him his debut, so he's got a good relationship with him. He's facilitated the deal. So if I'm a Tigers fan, said it last year... Thought attack-wise, offloads, everything, he was outstanding, but his defense needed to improve. But he went backwards this year. So defensively, yeah, big issue. You've got the nines coming up. You're attending that box head? I'm going to both days, yeah. There you go. All those lineups, that looks quite exciting. So all the fans get well, around that one. Looking forward to that. Bankwest, Cracker Stadium to have it at. St. Helens props. Alex Wormsley, Luke Thompson being heavily pursued by plenty of NRL clubs, apparently. I'd take Thompson. I wouldn't take Wormsley. He's a bit old. Well, Andrew Hill's apparently flying over this week. They're trying to keep it a secret. We know nothing's a secret in the game. So the Bulldogs in particular are looking to try and do a bit of a Raiders and get some value from a Pommy. So Luke Thompson heavy on their sought-after list. Wormsley being looked at as well. Storm Smith, still no more clarity on that situation. But as we said before, that would be a huge knock-on effect if Cameron See, Smith was like Going back to, to St. Helens... Holbrook's going to the Titans. Uh, if I'm Holbrook, I'd be getting those two or three that you really think could crack it in the NRL and just dragging them. Well, with you. Thompson for sure. If you yeah. think he's a gun and you had him, like it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Surely. Mm. Uh, other bits and pieces. Merrin, as I said before, interest to spark back up again. Newcastle, the Dragons, both interested. The Newcastle thing, probably not as heavily. The Dragons, him, mutual interest. He's from there. They're interested. It's all going to come down to money. The figure I'm hearing is close to about 300000 as compared to 800 or whatever he left on. So they're very, very tight on the cap. Not sure if that's going to pan out. And also on them, obviously, Isaac Luke missed out on a Warriors deal. Manly Tigers were apparently interested to make him a backup. He wasn't quick enough to act. They both pulled their deals. His last option may be a basement dollar deal if he wants to continue to play. So the Dragons trying to get some spack fill in a few spots. Madison said it before. He's talked to the Titans. He's talked to Parramatta at this stage. It's probably more likely that he'll go to the Parramatta Eels, but I think the Titans are throwing more money. Again, I, don't, I think that's the wrong move, and we talked about this before. The culture they've set in the past is paying overs for guys who end up going out there and not doing their job. Under Holbrook, I hope that he's got control of the situation. That's not the case, or they don't get involved. And on the Titans, did you see the story? I only seen it today that everyone's blown up that their sponsor, TFH Hire or whatever, is pulled out and they blame part of the reason being the fact that Ryan James stuffed up the welcome to country and it was so everyone's just gone to town I'm like so ridiculous. fucking just own it clearly you're pulling out because you don't want to just you know be involved in the club but to use that excuse and of all things to they've got every right to pull out mm. but the, you know if, the they, excuse, if they don't want to um, like, fuck they've, they haven't made themselves look too good in the way they've handled it that's exactly right like should have just said we're leaving because we're not happy with the way the club's going and sponsoring someone that's fledgling or not doing well. They shouldn't have gone the angle they went. I thought that was a very poor way to go. So they've mm. been rightfully smashed. Uh, Leilua, as I've mentioned, the Dogs in particular were one club that was linked, but the talk is it's not going to be a done deal unless they can chip in the Raiders. This is at least 200000 so that would leave the Bulldogs to pay four hundred for Leilua. To be honest, I wouldn't pay that much for Joey and the brain snaps and the injuries. No. So to the Bulldogs, that's one of those deals we talked you know, about. Look at before. the things that happen in the grand final. Yeah, 100%. And then Mr. Gossett, 
anything I didn't just cover then. He sent through a couple of those. Simon Ikata, as most people know, uh, he's off to the Brumbies at this point in time. He has the Super League news here, but one I don't have here. Apparently, according to Mr. Gossett, Blake Green was spotted in Penrith this week checking out the academy and meeting with officials. Mm. So there you go. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Burton spends another year developing. Maybe Luai stays on the bench or moves to fullback or they go another direction, but Blake Green potentially as a plug-in there to play along with Nath. Yeah. I don't know if that works. That that seems... Again, strange. A, another player that... Explain that one to me. ...is the same as what he is. I, I think they need someone who's got a spark or more of a runner, not an organiser. Nath is more an organiser and a runner. Explain that one to me. So that's a weird move, but... Um, the last one I have here, and we didn't touch on it earlier, um, this is not really a show that we do for news and other bits and pieces, is the Nelson Asafa Solomon incident. <sighs> the, the initial reaction well, and everyone blowing up and, ah, oh, Kelvin, well, and they do this and that and fucking rah, rah. But from all that's come out at the end of the day, I understand that the NRL... Have an image type haven't, of... Yeah, but for fuck's sake, like, what have we come to? I will say one thing. If right? that wasn't on film, you don't hear about that. No, you don't. And the Bali, the age we live in. The Bali police don't even press charges because of what happened, and I don't think they're in the wrong. Like, if me and you go out and someone can hit you from behind or vice versa, I think I know how either of us would react. Hmm. And apparently, they're not only that, they pulled a sharp object or were trying to glass one of them as well. So I'll tell you what, they picked the wrong bloke because if I, you're going to king hit someone or take someone out first... I have no fucking idea why people go to Bali. That was my next point. I, spoke I have to... no idea why people go to Bali. Well, again, not or mentioning... Thailand or any of those places. Not, fucking... not mentioning names, but a handful of the guys at that wedding and our oh. first graders, I said, why? And they said, well, in between... It's cheap. No, rep... it's a short in between flight. rep camps, you can't uh, go to Europe for four weeks. On. We're going for a week. Go to Hawaii. Like... Go to Fiji. I was like, I get that. But did you realise that generally the fucking... Oh, man, LA, it's a 14-hour flight. The, the, audience, and... the audience over there is our worst type of fucking blokes who are pissed off their heads who are generally going to know who you are even more so than when you're in Australia so you're not hiding you're going to somewhere where you're even more recognisable and probably get in more trouble so I don't think it was a smart move by them to go to Bali but I completely but again you should, they should be able to go wherever the hell exactly. they want and just be left in peace and as Braith and Asta put it and I thought it was the best way they spent eight hours prior to that talking taking photos doing everything at a bar and did everything and then they were assaulted wrongfully and the way he reacted Old mates fucking deserved every punch that he copped or anything that he got his hands on him. So yeah, okay. they're probably going to find him, ban him, do whatever they're going to do. But and you know what? Nelson's probably going to ban me for two tests. It gives me a longer holiday. Oh dear, I'll stay in I'd Bali still for be an extra month. Though, because like, in my, I get it. In my I, eyes, I get it. Like I don't know how else you're. If that's me or you, to, like I said together, I know how both of us would react. So stupid. He's only defending. At his some mate. point, and the I'd reason again, the reason this the is all just once all been um, yeah, blown up is because video. of the stupid footage. And the instant reaction there, ah, oh, he's like, grab. So you don't know the You story. don't know all the facts, that's yeah. right. And as soon as a all the details A few people said stuff out, to us, said, listen, give it... And I said that to you, you sent me a text about it. I said, I just, let's just I wait. I said, oh, you send a video. So give it 12 hours and we'll see what happens. But that's my thoughts. Because it was Sunday, was it Sunday afternoon? I think it was Sunday afternoon. And I've seen Sunday some afternoon. things, no offence to some people, that to me are just idiotic. People going, well, the standard they set when like Pierce humped the dog, he got 12 weeks, he has... I'm like, well, they fucking got that wrong too. So just because we set a standard up, like you. The you, best thing we could do as a game is throw away our fucking revision mirror. Yeah. Just look don't, forward. Don't look at another incident and even try to compare the two. Like, again, put yourself in the shoes. Just judge every incident. You and your mirror. mate. Like, what the fuck are you going to do? You want, I can't throw a punch because I'm an NRL player. I just have to cop this, do I? I should give him a $10,000 reward. Yeah, a broke bloke a bottle and tried to stab me. I'm going to stand here and go, oh, sorry, I'm going to get in trouble from the NRL. Sorry, Todd, I might get in trouble like, off For Todd. fuck's sake. Like, where, what are we coming to? Honestly. So, it's a nanny state. That's where I'm at it's on that. It's more a reflection one. on society, you know? 
yeah. our game. In my opinion, I know the club, uh, they're not happy. But again, I, I guarantee it's what anyone does. They would have had an indoor meeting. I bet <laughs> you they said, we're back here, but you know we have to do this. Uh, the NRL is probably doing the same thing. They'll, they'll find him, give him two games. But really, I think internally. Yeah. We're finishing our podcast on an off-field incident. That's all right, though, because we're going to finish on a positive. We have to thank Brock, our sponsors, the Penrith Solar Centre and obviously the Pro Sports Syndicate for being with us now for the last two years for the Penrith Solar Centre. Jake and the crew there, absolutely outstanding supporters of the show. We've had plenty of people get on board and get assistance from the box head. You're a customer, I'm a customer. Uh, we can't thank them enough. So for one last time, tackle your rising power bills head on this season with the help of solar energy. The team at Penrose Solar Centre are passionate about helping Western Sydney send me rising electricity bills for good. Find out how Penrose Solar Centre can make you and your family the big winners this season with quality solutions for your home. Visit www.penrosesolar.com dot au or call 1800 20 29 30 to discuss how they can make it the real winners uh jake brock and that crew there they're absolutely outstanding and matt will and the lads at the pro sports syndicate keep your eyes out for the nfl package if we keep plugging best bets promos racing everything they've got there for two years now been on board brock they're good lads we've had a beer with them in melbourne a couple of pommy boys who just love their sport uh, we have to give a massive thank you to for those guys as always big thank you to uh goss obviously with work, it's a bit different now. We can't get him on as much, or we basically can't get him on at all with the way things line up and time restrictions. But still, with our tips, still talk to him all the time. We love him. Uh, he's been outstanding help for us day one. Well, you and him are off to America soon. Yeah, we're going so. similar time. Uh, yeah, he's been really helpful from day one and on board with the show and a big supporter and always going to be part of everything we do here in our tipping comp. That's so a big thanks to him for all his support. Uh, for me personally, always, as I say to you, I've got to thank you. Yeah, because you fucking put up with me. You jumped on board with the idea at the start when I told you I wanted to talk shit about football every day of the week. Your ears have to constantly bleed. You put up with me too many other times as well. You feed me. You have me in your house, but more importantly, you support uh, something that I really enjoy doing. And like I said, as we get older, as we're not kids anymore, as you have a family like you do now, as you work, we have less and less time together. But simply for the fact that we both rugby league, but also you're my best mate, my brother. This is one of my favourite times of the week because yeah, we fucking get to sit down, and have a feed. Watch 360 and buzz or watch mm. a movie or do what we do afterwards and we just shoot the shit. So yeah. on that, I have to thank you as always because without you, it's just me talking about well, this time next year, it's I will, by the start of next podcast, fucking two babies. there'll be two bubs. And that's just me riding. The little, the little boy, he's, he's coming. Um, I don't like missing anything. I didn't write things down like I usually do, but at the end of the day, the most important people to thank is anyone who's listening to us right now. Yeah. Because uh, like I said at the start, of, without you listening, supporting, sending questions, getting on board, getting fired up on topics, commenting on everything, supporting the show, plugging the show. There is no show. And from the start when we come up with this idea, it was just more the fact that I wonder how many people will bear and listen to us talk shit about rugby league or buy But I don't think we talk shit. No, we we do get a lot of comments about, you know, the the in-depth side of it and, you know, talking tactics and all that sort of stuff that doesn't get spoken about on mainstream TV. And it doesn't. I sit and watch a lot of those shows and I'm not engaged in a lot of it. Mm. Uh, there's basically zero analysis. If it is, it's done by an ex-player that's not prepared mm. and he's just going off Wing the cuff. Because he's played a couple of games. And, um, yeah. Look, we'd love nothing more than to progress with this and to you know get onto TV and, and take it wherever it can take us. But to do that, we need you guys and we need your support. So um, like Louis said, without you guys, we're, the show doesn't exist. Mm. So... But the, probably the biggest thing is keep plugging away, keep... If you think it's good, then share it. Rate us, do all that kind of stuff. The iTunes thing I if bring up If you think it's shit, time. then let us know. That's, yeah. We're we fine. We say all the time. 
sent an inbox, criticises us. Even like some of the things when people come through a bit hot, we always reply back and try and be constructive. Yeah. If you're going to be a fuckwit and swear and carry on because you don't like what you've heard rather than have a constructive argument, which is what we're happy to do, well, then you can take it elsewhere and shove up your ass. But yeah. if you want to have a good hard chat about footy, we're always open to that. But like I said at the start, of all the thank yous that I've made, Brock's obviously, like I said, the, the big one, but you guys, you are the most important thing for the fifth and last podcast. You listen to us, you support us. You love the show, um, and we love you for it. And like I said, not mumbling out my ass here. I really, really am heartened and warmed and excited every single week to think how this has grown over the time we've been doing it and the fact that people do enjoy listening and tune in. And I, I absolutely fucking love every single person that does listen to this podcast and sends us messages or talks to us. So, um, All right, enjoy your break. iTunes, final thing. iTunes, rate, review, get on board. I'll try and keep some stuff up over the off-season. I know we're not as social media heavy as some people are with random scenarios and questions and bits and pieces, but that's how we are. This is how we do our shit. We record mm. podcasts, we talk footy once a week. And, yeah, uh, I don't have time to be on my phone all no, the time. I, there's a lot of people that run a lot of stuff all day. It's, it's fucking hard. I have a job yeah, and a child <laughs> and a wife. So Again, thank you to every single person for another outstanding season. Hopefully, look forward to having everybody back and more for next year, 2020, for what will be, I think, our eighth season of the fifth and last NRL podcast box. Mm, big 2020. Huge. So, have a good Chrissy, good new year. Um, hopefully, we don't speak to you before then. If, if we no, do speak yeah, to you before then, it'll only be because <coughs> something huge well, has well, last happened. last year, we had to do one before Christmas because so much fucking garbage. So, happened, you never so. know. We'll wait and see. The fifth and last fans will have their phones out. Oh. Scandalgate, get the boys back. But, um, Dear Lord. Look, yeah, we want to have a break. You guys probably need a break from us as well. So, well, like we said enjoy before. it. The break doesn't really happen. Now we start rep football full time. So we get we get busier. No, not from a footy perspective, but yeah. that's another thing that, that we love and we'll rip into that. Mm-hmm. But again, thank you to every single person out there. Like it's been said, enough, thank you. We cannot appreciate you guys enough. And Brock, there's still some footy left over, so I can still say this. For now, enjoy your week and enjoy your regular yeah, league. Bank West Friday, baby. Oh, yes. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.